You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since Welcome to the GGTMC. We are back. All three amigos ready to roll. I sound a lot more energetic than I actually feel. I, uh, <laughs> uh, but hey, that's that's part of the game, man. You know, you got to give them the smoke screen. Uh, you guys sound like you're wake. <laughs> sound like somebody fell over getting back online there, getting back in the mic. But we're ready to go, right, guys? Yeah. Are we? Are we on? <laughs> Yeah, we're live. Yeah, we're live. Damn. It's a good thing we don't do this live. <laughs> <laughs> that would be rough. Uh, oh, yeah. But we are back. Uh, hope everybody's had a good week. Um, got a couple of fun movies we're covering this week. Uh, Retribution from 1987, directed by Guy Magar. Magar. Uh, I guess it's Guy Magar, right? Yeah, it, sure. Yeah, why not? Is it we two roll G- with it. Two G's called Gee. Yeah. Magar. I like that. Gee Magar. Gee Magar. <laughs> there, bye. And uh, very uh, Wisconsin y. Yeah, it that does. Way. It does. And um, a little uh, film that uh, had has had quite a cult uh, following for some time. Uh, Ichi the Killer. Ichi the Killer uh, Takishi Takishimike. <laughs> That's in 2001. So. Uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about this week. Wicked. Yeah. A lot of blood this week. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think this is our meek central figure is being manipulated by gangsters and blood ensues double oh. feature. Yeah, it, it could be, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so that's what we're talking about this week. Well, like I said, we hope everybody's having a good time out there. Um, Not too good of a time. Yeah, yeah, come on. Will's back. Todd's here. I'm here. No pants. Yeah, no cross pants, two nations. Pants off. Pants off. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything is back to normal. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um. That's all I got. That's that's about as exciting okay. as it gets that's, when you're middle aged. That's <laughs> that's about as good as it gets, guys. Uh, you know. <laughs> 
let's get into what we've been watching todd let's go yeah man i'm gonna rock this um so uh watch some movies uh no <laughs> Let's see. I did a rewatch of Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, uh, 1985, from Mr. Guy Hamilton, who directed a bunch of uh, those there, them there James Bond movies. Um, yep. And this one has a soft spot in most people's hearts. Uh, it certainly has a soft spot in mine, even though it's one of these pictures where um, the first half is infinitely more entertaining and more watchable than the second half. Um and a large portion of that has to do with it just being really, it just kind of loses all momentum in the uh, second half. Even with, it doesn't really have anything um, all that compelling going on uh, in the second half. I mean, there's not really, it, it, almost, it almost feels like there's not much of a point uh, to anything. And the, uh, the, the villains, uh, I guess if you want to call them that is are not all that great either. They're not really. I mean, one of them is Michael Pataki, who's a good actor, um, but at the same time, it's like he's not really he's not given much to do. So it's not really like we give much of a shit about whether or not he gets stopped, even though he really should be stopped because obviously he's a bad guy. Uh, it does have Patrick Kilpatrick in it uh, with that diamond tooth, um, but uh, most people remember this movie because of the the fantastic interplay between. Uh, of course, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fred Ward and uh, Mr. Joel Gray as Chun, uh, which, you know, you can throw all your uh, PC shit at the movie that you want to. I really don't care. Yeah. Um, well, you can't do in it. In regards to that. But it's one, it's it, one of those things where you can't do it today, right? I mean, it's one of those things. But No, you could. well, you couldn't make it today, but, um, you know, I, I still find it massively entertaining. I still think that yeah. it's... You know, all things being equal, it's still a good performance, and it's still a it lot is. of fun. Yeah, Joe Gray, um, he's really good in that. Oh, he is. He is. Um, so, you know, and I think that's almost kind of part of uh, what makes it special is that he's not actually Asian um, yeah. in a yeah. way because it's just, you know, he's so uh, weird. Uh, it's such a weird thing to see that uh, yeah. and the, the, it just it stands out a yeah. bit more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean the movie's like uh, I I still have a lot of fun with it, but yeah, man, you get into that second half with the getting Kate Mulgrew in there and all that, and it just it just completely fumbles uh, and bumbles and stumbles over the finish line. Um, but that first half is still fantastic. I love it. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. I did rewatch of Ant-Man 2015 with uh, Mr. Paul Rudd. I think they pronounce it Rudd. Uh, th- yeah. I think it is. There's two D's. Um, and this one, uh, I have a big, uh, big soft spot for this one in the uh, the Marvel Cinematic uh, pantheon. There, um, it's uh, yeah, another one. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it does some really. Uh, interesting and uh, kind of unique things with the uh, the Ant Man powers, uh, and you know the way that he he shrinks down and pops back up at uh, various times while he's fighting is really inventive. Um, it actually is one of the few movies where uh, the CG is kind of not only necessary, but it actually looks good and it actually makes sense uh, in the. Uh, the the movie you completely get uh, get why they're doing it and how they're doing it and all this other stuff. Um, great cast aside from 
aside from Rudd, you got uh, Bobby Cannavale, you got um, what's his face, Michael Douglas, uh, Angeline Lilly, Evangeline Lilly, Evangeline Lilly, yeah. There you go, Evangeline Lilly, uh, Michael Pena, all those fun guys. Um, and it's you know like we were saying, I don't remember how many shows ago. Um, I think that the Marvel movies tend to do much better. Superhero movies in general, maybe uh, tend to do a hell of a lot better when they are uh, infused with uh, genre stuff besides just being superhero uh, movies with you know all the big spectacle and all that other stuff. They're much more interesting when they actually have something else going on, like a heist movie or. A, uh, conspiracy movie, political thriller kind of movie, or what have you. Uh, and this is kind of proof of that. And this and the and listen its sequel, um, you know, are uh, are really really I, I I like them. I like them a lot. Uh, that being said, my the Blu-ray that I have, which is this was the first time that I cracked it open, uh, did not want to play. So I had to watch it on Disney Plus. I was ah! not happy about that. Oh yeah. Oh man. Well, the problem is I can't just I can't just simply return it because it's like. 10 years old. Well, so. hey, man, you got, you know, you the got perils of sitting on discs for yeah. many a moon. There you go. The uh, Disney Plus subscription getting used, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got well, to use it. Well, for that. Yeah, man. But if I didn't have a life, then, you know, well, I don't have a life, but if I wasn't <laughs> like doing things like work yeah. and being busy with shit, then. Yeah. I would have no excuse to have a, a to watch pile, right? I wonder what that is. I wonder if it's disc rod or just a, a flub disc, or you know, I wonder what I that is. I think it's a flat disc because it, yeah. it looks like there's a couple of uh, like um, almost bumps on the uh, the disc oh. that I didn't see before. But they're really hard to they're really hard to spot. I mean, you got to have the right light for it. Man, that Blu-ray yeah. acne. Yeah, I was not uh, I was not too thrilled about that. So yeah, that does suck. Yeah, well, shit happens. Yeah. Um, moved on from that to The Lodger, 1944. Uh, this one is, um, let me see here. It's got, uh, directed by John Brom. Uh, it's got Merle Oberon in it, uh, Laird Krieger, George Sanders, Cedric Hardwick. And this one, uh, for those of you who actually listen to the show if you remember the hangover square episode uh this is pretty much the same kind of team up that uh, that was in that movie including i mean this thing there there are shots in this that almost look exactly pulled straight from hangover square even though that movie came out i think like a year later on uh because this movie was successful uh and it's sort of this uh jack the ripper sort of story uh, that doesn't quite satisfy uh to be honest, nearly as much as Hangover Square does. I think Hangover Square is a much, much better movie as far as entertainment goes. Uh, I think that the um, the finale of this thing and the big uh, reveal and all that, which is not much of a reveal, to be perfectly blunt, um, is kind of a letdown. Uh, it's not as big as it uh, as it should be. It's not as impactful as it should be. Uh, it's still very well done, though. And of course, seeing George Sanders do pretty much anything is always fun, as well as Laird Krieger, because nobody, frankly, does creepy, twisted, ready to snap fucks uh, nearly as well as uh, as that guy tended to do. Uh, do you have a choice when your name is Laird? I don't think you do. Uh, I think that uh, that comes with it. Yeah. Um, I really like Hitchcock. yeah. I like Hitchcock's silent version of that film a lot. I have. This was the first time that I watched any version of this particular story. So um, I highly recommend, which is really weird. But I highly recommend the silent version if you guys get a chance to check it out. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be into that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this thing, it was kind of a letdown, but uh, it was still very well done. So give it credit where it's, uh, where yeah. it's due. Um, let's see. I did a rewatch of Streets of Fire in 1984, and I still don't know what all the love for this thing comes from. Ah, which one? Uh, Streets of Fire. Mm. Walter Hill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I, I get that it's a rock and roll fable, but yeah, yeah. everybody in this movie sneers every one of their lines of dialogue. <laughs> uh, I think that it's yeah. a mess. Uh, I think that there's stuff missing. Uh, you can clearly see why Hill went back to the Warriors and fucked it over for the Blu-ray release, putting those uh, comic book um, inserts in there. Um I think that the movie does have some good stuff in there. Obviously, it looks great. It's, it does actually go through great pains uh, to create a, uh, a world, and it does that for the most part. Uh, but it just there's so many jumps. There's so many uh, like montage sequences rather than having anything substantive going on. Um, Parade with the uh, the shirtless uh, or the sleeveless. Um, button-up shirt is, is always just every time i see that i'm like are you kidding me rick moranis is an absolute prick uh which is <laughs> yeah. you know kind of just it's not i get that he's playing against type and everything but at the same time you're like dude come on uh yeah but there's there's not a person in this movie that you don't want to smack in the head with a brick yeah um except for diane lane and even she fucking a couple times you're like this was really all of this she was worth all of this shit um <laughs> Michael, or well, what's his face? Um, Willem Dafoe is fantastic. Uh, I completely forgot that Lee Ving was in this thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was, you know, it was nice to see him um, and just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they got uh, Amy Madigan in there as the, uh, the quasi-lesbian uh, character uh, with that. She had that weird, like, Prince Valiant straw haircut <laughs> kind of thing going on. She has a terrible fucking do in that. Dude, man. it's fucking awful. Yeah, like, she's done, so she's done. No fucking favors by this nope. movie. No, she needs um, a hot oil treatment fast. She has a <laughs> she has a uh, she has a career of bad hairdos. <laughs> yeah, right. Like what the fuck, man? Yeah, some people just yeah. some people just have that career. Honey, get another salon. You're you're not yep. doing yourself any favors here. Den- Dennis Lipscomb, bad hairdo career. We'll talk about that. How about it? Oh yeah, we're <laughs> cut from the same <laughs> denim. Let me yeah, tell you. Uh, we should he, fucking. I noted that one. He looks Ooh. like a fifty-year-old infant, like constantly <laughs> with that fucking, with that fucking hair. Looks like he showed oh, up uh, for a Mo Howard biopic. Yeah, that's a tough <laughs> dude, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't get cast. That fucking man. Boy, oh boy. Uh, we'll get to that. But yeah, I mean, this movie. I, 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 I. This is one of those ones where you know. I get that people love it. I don't know why they love it because I've tried multiple times and I'm just like, yeah, yeah it's, uh, I think yeah, it's it, okay. I, I think it literally is that kind of movie. I think it's the kind of movie either yeah. you love it or you don't it love is. it. You just, you know, there's just no way around it. I mean, cause it's odd. Well, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by what it tries to do. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I'm impressed that, uh, that Hill had the balls and the clout to get it pulled off. Uh, but I think that, um, I think there were probably things going on behind the scenes that kind of cut it off at the ankles, so to speak, or or, or at cut the it sho- off at the knees, even or at the shoulders for Michael Perry shirt, or at the show. That's right, that's right, man. <laughs> See, dude, he's got a fucking you know, sun's out, guns out, but the sun isn't out because you're under the fucking L and it's always raining. So, um, 
<laughs> so yeah, Streets of Fire. Uh, and let's see here. Okay, let's jump into this one. I did a rewatch of Joker. Uh, hey, and you're shitting. I am not shitting you. <laughs> this one's for real. It's been sitting on my DVR, and I fucking finally ripped the bandaid off because I was like, I gotta get this thing off of here. It's been there too long. <laughs> uh, so I did that. Uh, I still think it is a really, really good movie. Uh, very well acted. I still think that it has a hell of a lot of problems, but I also think that it has a hell of a lot to say. I do not find it to be uh, as dangerous uh, or as bad as certain elements of society want to peg it. Uh, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Um, but, yeah, it's also it's also one of those things where, you know, if this was called anything but Joker, I would probably love it more. Uh, because, you know, he's one of those characters who doesn't need any kind of backstory. And as a matter of fact, I think it actually does the character a disservice uh, to give him a backstory uh, because he works best as a complete blank mystery. What the hell's going on uh, in his head? How did he become that way sort of guy? And when you see all of that, then you're just like, oh, well, that's... Uh depressing and kind of disappointing in the uh, the grand scheme of things but I also think that in a lot of ways this is completely dissociated from um, anything Batman cinematically I've heard that supposedly this character is gonna the, the Joaquin uh, is gonna be showing up in another Batman movie I highly doubt it I think it would be a mistake anyway yeah I highly doubt um, it and uh, I still think that De Niro is absolutely horrible in this um <laughs> As yeah. a per- as a person or as an actor? <laughs> yes. Hey. Uh, so there I, you go. I, I like De Niro in it, man. I don't know I, why. It, I did. He is. This? Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he's, God, he's so he's so stiff. He's so yeah. so incredibly stiff. He just seems like a bad talk show host, and that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but that carries over to when he's not on when he's not on his show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it does. Like it's just it never. Yeah, he just I seems like really really stilted um, in his performance, whether he's uh, on on uh, on on air or not. Yeah, no, no, I, I, so he's he's really he's playing Rupert Pupkin. You know what I mean? Like, so he is stiff. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting. Uh, I, I get it, I get it, but I, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoyed all the acting in that film as well. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, yeah, but I mean, obviously, Joaquin fucking, you know, runs the fuck away with the, uh, well, sure. the gold on this thing. Sure. I mean, this is. If, if, I don't know that this thing worked nearly as well if there was a, a lesser caliber of actor mm-hmm. uh, doing it. To be perfectly honest, even yeah. though I do think that Phillips's direction is pretty fucking solid the uh, the uh the pivotal part for me i remember seeing the trailer for it and we're not gonna go back into this whole thing again but i remember thinking if they can't land the uncontrollable laughter piece like if it makes me feel like really bad then i'm gonna have trouble yeah. with that performance but he manages to land that somehow oh he does yeah 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 he really does um so yeah uh that that is that for the rewatch so now we can Put the fucking nail in that coffin no, uh, for this year. Anyway. It'll, it'll come back. Uh, <laughs> good deal. Uh, so it's on your to watch pile. I get you. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> it's not. Uh, and then I threw myself on this grenade uh, for you guys, which I hope you appreciate. Uh, Charlie's Angels 2019. Ouch. Oh, man. Yeah, man. This was hurtful. That, um, that is irresponsible filmmaking. <laughs> uh, yeah. A little bit. 
Oh. Dude, this thing was so fucking dull, so fucking standard, so fucking. Who directed that? Just one? idiotic. Elizabeth Banks, who also wrote the script, and what the fuck, man. Oh yeah, Elizabeth you know, Banks, the her, actress. I yeah. gave her a lot of credit after the uh, the Pitch Perfect uh, movie that she did because yeah. uh, I greatly enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but this thing kind of took away uh, a lot of that credit mm. uh, because this thing was just so fucking boring. All it, it is is this this bunch of hot women doing stupid shit in a standard ass action movie. Um, and then they throw in some, some, uh, ridiculous female empowerment shit that just doesn't land because it's so awkwardly stuck in there. And so, <sighs> man, this yeah. is horrible. This could have been so much better and it wasn't. I remember reading uh, because a... it really just, it has nothing to say, even though it's telling you that it has so much to say yeah. and, and so much to be proud of and all this shit. And you're like, mm, no, you really shouldn't be. I remember reading that there was a lot of studio interference on that. So that might not be all Elizabeth Banks. Well, you know, when the director's cut comes out, I will be ignoring that as well. Uh, because this no. was one and done. Don't, don't you, um, don't you lie and, to us, Todd. Uh, yeah. Don't you lie to us, Todd. Okay. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> oh, man, come on. 4K on that one, yeah, buddy. 4K and ex- uh, extra nudity. 4K up on that. <laughs> but this thing, yeah, who, this thing is. Who did is, the uh, uh, Who did that remake with uh, Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz? Was that McG? Was that McG? I feel like that was, was McG. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, I enjoyed that one. I don't. I, I, Crispin Glover is really fun in that uh, first remake of Charlie's Angels. But that's it. That's just it. They had, you know, they had interesting stuff. They had uh, interesting, yeah. uh, you know character actors at I've least only, yeah i've only seen it once i can't say that you know i mean listen i am i am all for uh seeing Kristen stewart's ass hanging out of a pair of short shorts and yeah. that yeah, uh, and everything like that i'm a hundred percent for that no yeah. uh but at the same time it's like well there's nothing else to support this thing so uh if you like looking at uh at good looking women doing action stuff then hey this is the picture for you i'd rather uh, look if you at, want I'd rather, something that actually no. that actually moves a little bit um you know, you can easily skip this thing because it just look ain't at, that clever. Uh, Michael Perret's uh, guns. Uh, yeah? Sleeveless. Yeah, I'd rather look at yeah. that. Yeah. Get that fucking uh, <laughs> trench coat off, buddy. <laughs> yeah. um, so there was that. And then I wrapped it all up with uh, Creed 2 from 2018 after watching the first one and greatly uh, admiring it a hell of a lot. I watched this one, uh, and it does not quite live up to that first one um but it's uh, it's still good uh, not great it uh, it hits all the beats yeah uh and still somehow manages to feel empty i felt bad for tessa thompson's um character because her music in this is absolutely fucking horrible oh man um Oh my God! How she got signed to a record deal in this movie is beyond me. <laughs> I love me some Tessa uh, Thompson too. That's sad to hear. Oh my God, big t- dude! I love her. I think she's ultra talented. She's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, she's and, great. You know, yeah. To to just kind of be uh, the pregnant wife in this one is kind of uh, yeah. Whatever. Got to take a back but, seat to that Lundgren man. Well, yeah. <laughs> even though Lundgren is, uh, and that's the other thing is that whole thing. You know. <laughs> they go through this entire movie with the, with him and his son uh, being like, you know, he's pushing them because uh, we lost. We need to take back uh, the pride of Matarasha or whatever the fuck. And then you get to the end. And it's like this big 
father son redemption fucking scenario that's like wait a minute what come on <laughs> come on get the fuck out of here yeah. um and it's like that uh yeah. but i mean yeah, yeah it's uh i i just don't think it hits it doesn't get you on your feet punch in the air um uh, sort of like the first creed did or any of the rocky movies did uh, and you know that's kind of something that you really, really need. Uh, I think in these uh, in these movies, um, because that's you know that's what made them great in the first place. Uh, was mm-hmm. you know getting that tension and you know your guts are twisting while you're watching that final fight because there's so much on the line, not only in the ring but out. And I don't think that's here. Uh, not a hundred percent anyway, uh, but enough. And uh, you know I, I I realize I'm damning it with faint praise, but uh, at the same time. Um, yeah, it just, it doesn't live up to the first creed, uh, quite, uh, but it is still okay. Uh, I would put it as a solid, so, um, and I do believe that's all I got. So nice. take it over to you cats. All right. Will, what you got? Uh, let's see here. So it's been the NBA playoffs and a whole lot of Cobra Kai. So, Mm-hmm. Even though I've been gone for a few weeks, it um, it's not going to be as robust. But yeah, uh, I want to stump for Cobra Kai just for a minute. I know we we are a film podcast, but now and then we talk a little bit of TV. Um, really dug this. We binge watched the first two seasons, which are on Netflix. Really enjoyed it. I think it walks a tightrope quite well between nostalgia and um reasonably fleshed out for the material characters well, I, with some nuance yeah, it, 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 right? it takes a very it takes some very very simple premises and just fucking yep. let's fly with them i think that uh you know i like that there's no well there are obviously bad guys but there's but the, no in, yeah in the, the principles in the, in the, are not bad guys yeah especially considering their background together however yes. i will say I will say two things that uh, really stuck out to me when I was getting through the second season is that number one, um, that Dimitri kid, uh, I I wanted to bully him. Even uh, my kid said the same dude, thing. He's they said so really... fucking grating. It's not even funny. <laughs> well, um, yeah, he's he's a little grating. That's for sure. He's beyond grating. He's he's the kind of kid who even I, I I could put up with a lot of shit and a lot of you know jerks and everything and I have my entire life. But at the same time, you know, dude, he gets to a point where it's just like, you know what, buddy? Uh, you just want to fucking kick him in the knees. Uh, mm-hmm. That There's that. And then there's the uh, this element that they go on uh, about how uh, a lot of the plotting uh, for the, the season, and it especially stood out in season two, is just it's idiot plot stuff. It's, you know, yeah. if people would stop for 10 seconds and, and just listen to, and yeah, and explain and other. listen to, yeah. you know, what the other person is, is trying to say, there would be a hell of a lot less going on in this thing. But at the same time, what they do with the tension, I think, is really, really solid. And I was, I'll tell you what, man, there was that moment in the, uh, the final episode of uh, season two where I was just like, you got to fucking be kidding me. Did they just do that? Uh, which, you know, uh, I liked a lot. And that, that whole, uh, last episode there was fantastic. I thought it, it was really, really good. Yeah. It was wild. It was well shot. I want to say, off in a big way. oh, it does. And I think for an American TV show with teenagers, the choreography is reasonable. I think it's, it's uh, and, and, and the, uh, yeah, no, no, I, you're right. It is good. And that last episode, especially like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got a wild finale and oh, I yeah. think there's a lot of, um, 
they embrace a lot of, and they, I think they certainly play to a lot of the nostalgic desires of the fan base. But like I said, they don't, sure. um, they don't do it in a way that it trips over itself to do so. Well, speaking uh, it, of the nostalgia fan base, you know, I'm very much hoping based on a certain final shot oh, in that, that thing, phone call, that that phone call. Yeah. Ooh, that something happens man. that I get a little something, something on that because yeah. <laughs> yep, I hope uh, I hope we're going to see that, and I hope we see the return of uh, a few other characters. We'll uh-huh. talk about here in a second, but uh, yeah, no, that I, I really enjoyed it. Family loved it. I uh, can't say enough good things about it. Um, so that took a lot of our time. Uh, other than that, what did I do? Uh, it was Braden's pick. He threw on the one and only Ivan, the one and only Ivan on Disney Plus. This is very um, sort of vanilla by the numbers. Feel good stuff about a pretty incredible uh, gorilla and uh, the other animals that uh, he's friends with, and Brian Cranston. So, oh no, 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 Brian Cranston. Yeah, yeah Brian yeah. Cranston. Yeah, it's Cranston. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's fine. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, sort of A to B to C stuff, but we we enjoyed it well enough for what it was. Uh, then we were at a cottage, or as you guys say, south of us, a cabin for the weekend. Yeah. Um, yes, we do. Brought the projector, threw on a couple appropriate films, threw on The Burning again. My kids really love The Burning. It's it's one that, uh, yeah, they're always wanting to watch when we, we talk about Slasher. So we threw that on. Uh, what can I say? We've reviewed the I think we, we reviewed it on the show, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Surely we did, yeah. So yeah, good stuff, obviously. Then with the, and I'm, you guys may have mentioned this, uh, the untimely, very tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, uh, which took a lot of people by surprise, uh, most everyone, quite frankly, we decided to throw on 42, um, the Jackie Robinson story. So this one is as sort of vanilla as it gets. Um that's the one with uh, that's the one with Harrison Ford in it. Harrison Ford playing uh, Branch uh, Ricky. What's his name? Branch Ricky. Yeah. yeah. But I'll say this: I mean, it's hearts in the right place. It's very earnest, but it's a very good-looking film. Like for the period, uh, it looks they get the period stuff right. Um, and as much as it's sort of uh, very on the nose, it's you know, it's it's a crowd-pleasing story, and it's it's a pretty. I think to me, it's it's one of the most inspirational stories in in sports, right? So, uh, yeah, that, that was fine. Uh, Bozeman does a fine job with that. Uh, jumped into my favorite of the Friday series. We did part three. Um, yeah, God bless Shelley and Vera uh, and and that motorcycle gang. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what was else on the docket? We did Heather's. The wife and I wanted to watch something. We threw on Heather's. I want to take a little bit of heat for this. I like Heather's, but I don't love Heather's as much as it seems. Much like you with... Well, no, I like Heather's more than you like uh, Streets of Fire, Todd. But (laughs) I've always felt that this one is very... It's too precocious and kind of aware of itself for its own good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've I, I haven't seen Heather's in Christ probably since it came out. Yeah, it's it, it looks good, um, but I just feel like it's too self satisfied for my liking. Like, I could like I really, completely believe that because it's oh, so man. it's so highly stylized from the giddy up that it's just kind of it yeah, and yeah. almost to the point where it grinds things to a halt a yeah. little bit, and it's just it's not as. Um, 
it's not as intelligent as it thinks it is, for lack of a better clever. Term. Not, yeah, it's not as clever as it thinks it is, precisely. So you know, it's fine though. But uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, I went back and watched the original Karate Kid trilogy, just because we needed a uh, uh, a fix, a little more seat yeah, fix, a little more Cobra Kai. Huh? We need a little more right, Cobra buddy. Kai in our lives. So um, we did one and two, which. Uh, the kids had seen before, but of course I showed them when they were like five or like six and four. So they don't remember them. Well, they remember, the, they remember Karate Kids, sorry. They don't remember part two. Um, of course, the minute I put on two, I just hear, <laughs> I hear Sammy in my head yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doing yeah. his Sato impersonation. So, Miyagi, um, <laughs> Miyagi, come on. Yeah, that's so good. So it's, uh, it's great, man. Um, the second one's fine. It's a little overlong. Uh, but what are you going to do? Yeah, but yeah, then I watched part three, which I'd never seen before, and I was quite eager to see. Uh, because we get Thomas Ian Griffith. Uh, we get a few good kind of GGTMC bad guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Thomas. I like Thomas Ian Griffith in that film. I like him. He's a real shithead. Oh, he oh, is. Yeah. They, they even make Complete. him. He's such a blue blood. And he, he's like... He owns some uh, some company that that specializes in bribery and like environmental <laughs> dumping, and yeah. he's just such a shit heel. Yeah, it's actually in their bylaws. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part, amazing. Part and, of their mission statement is to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. Um, uh, it's got some pretty good, uh, like, uh, yeah. The, just the heavies in it are good and. There's a you know subplot yeah. with a bonsai and yeah, a I mean yeah, I mean it's underrated. It's not as good as the fun. other two, I think, but it's no, but it's still fun. It's still pretty mm -hmm. fun. That's a pretty solid trilogy, really, when you think about it. This guy wants to pound you into the ground. <laughs> oh yeah. Now it's funny because it is a solid trilogy. Um, my kid, I still haven't shown them the clip yet, but I can't wait to show my kids the clip of Pat Morita as like uh, Arnold and Happy Days. Oh yeah, just yeah. because. <laughs> Like all of us, I'm sure uh, most of us, um, I didn't really remember him in Happy Days. But yeah, yeah. Just, oh, I yeah, I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where it's, it's going to blow my kids' minds. But um, no, it is a good trilogy. I think this one kind of reaches a logical conclusion with Daniel until Cobra Kai came out. Um, it's too bad Pat Marino wasn't around to be, be on the show, but, yeah, you know, that's the way it goes. Well, gonna, again, you got you to kind of wonder if... Uh, I don't know that it would work as well. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, you're right. There, because it kind of it kind of almost needs to not have that sort of guiding uh, right. hand no, as a right. character in there. I think. I think that's one of the strengths of the show is the trepidation or uncertainty or yeah, yeah. Um, the misfires or despite being well intentioned in his own mind that Daniel makes kind yeah, of yeah 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 lead to lend themselves to some good uh, dramatic turns in the show. So, no, for sure. But uh, the trilogy was fun. It was a great. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I was kind of mind blown that Daniel joins Cobra Kai. Spoiler alert! <laughs> so, oh yeah, you know, you figured it had to get there, right? So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was cool. Uh, it's the dark side, man. House. He had to join the dark side. He did. <laughs> Thomas, you know, was also crazy. Thomas Ian Griffith was a year younger than Ralph Macchio when they made that film. Yeah, no, and, he, and, he, and feels... he was supposed to be like. <laughs> Like 15 years old, or like Crease yeah. is eight. Yeah, I mean, he, he feels that old. way in the movie a little bit. I think it's just the oh, way yeah. he carries himself. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Thomas Ian Griffith again. And uh, I hope we're still going to see him on season three, man. <laughs> I wouldn't I be surprised. Really I really wouldn't. He's or still, the guy that played, uh, what is his name? 
Johnny Barnes, Ricky Barnes, or fucking <laughs> yeah. Billy, whatever the karate's bad boy. Yeah, that's right. He's extreme. Yeah, that'd be good. And then the last thing we watched, I, I did a lot of really vanilla stuff, it seems like, but um, when you got kids, sometimes you're taking on the vanilla realm. We did Mulan. Uh, my dad wanted to watch Mulan, so... Oh, the uh, live-action yeah. thing? Yeah, the live-action one. Oh, yeah. Um, this worked for everyone else in the house more than me. Um, I liked the fact that we were seeing a big-budget... I liked the fact that Western audiences were going to see a big-budget wuxia film um, with some of our favorites in them, but it just... The message is great, but... I don't know. It, it left me cold. I mean, it, it's a good-looking film, but it just uh, it didn't really... Does it feel like wuja by committee? A little bit. It does. It does a little bit, right? It feels like there's a lot of hands in the in the kitchen, and it feels like um, with some of the financial backing, mm. uh, it's very evident on the screen uh, with the, the nationalistic backing. I don't know. It uh, It's fine. You know, it looks good, but it didn't really work for me. And like I said, I'm a sucker for uh, some of that stuff. But yeah, I mean, other than seeing a wuxia, you know, kids in middle America getting into a big budget wuxia film, it's, you know, that's kind of the the Trojan horse appeal for me, I guess. But um, yeah, I think that was it for me. Got to say, I always say this sometimes. And of course, you know, if I say it on Facebook, I'd be considered a, probably racist or something but i have zero interest in milan remake zero. Uh, yeah I, I didn't really i didn't really want to be but you know it was one of those things um yeah william really wanted no part of it yeah because right? he, he didn't mind the original and he's i feel bad because he's taken a hard stance against remakes because he's heard me moan about them a few times yeah yeah, yeah. so i've almost had to see ones that i don't necessarily want to see because <laughs> Teresa is a more forgiving film yeah. gore than i am yeah right? yeah yeah so I'll have to go, come on, you know, let's give it a chance. Even though I know in my head and my heart it's going to be, <laughs> you know, it's going to be mediocre at best. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. It, 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 listen, yeah, you're not. Not listening. No yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I watched a trailer for it and I was like, yeah, it's still not my thing, you know. No, no, I feel like there was, I felt like there was something else I watched, like a family thing, but maybe there wasn't. Something that surprised me that was. If there was Eddie Murphy as a dragon in the live action one, though, I think I probably would watch it. So there you go. <laughs> it was Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah, in Eddie the live action one. In the, yeah, if it actually you know dressed as a dragon, you know running around. Yeah, just in a dragon costume, like his Take Gumby outfit. Well, it, no, it'd have to be a fat dragon costume because Eddie Murphy loves to do fat costumes. So that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or and and a, and a fat female one where he <laughs> yeah. can do drag and the fat suit. He can fulfill both of his. Yeah. Uh, weird fantasies that he has. These weird, yeah. <laughs> these weird, <Fucking> right? <laughs> these weird fantasies that Eddie Murphy has. Um, hey. What did I watch? Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot. I uh, watched. Um, oh, here's one. Here's one coming out of left field for you guys. I watched Venom. Uh -oh. Venom. 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 Oh wow! The, that uh, one. The uh, yeah. The so uh, who's diving on grenades this week? Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just me, buddy. I, I I just randomly I just, I just want to watch something kind of you know mindless, kind of simple. You know, I didn't hear great things about Venom, but you know, obviously, I am. A, it is both of those things. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, I am a comic book guy, but I know I I, I uh, lament the films a lot of times. Uh, this one's not going to change my mind. No, but uh, I didn't. I didn't hate it, but I really, the whole thing is carried on Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy alone. 
yeah. and and my likeness of him. And but it's such a weird. I don't know if they knew what kind of movie they're making. Uh, I think that yeah, yeah, I think that they were really they were really 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 trying to uh, cash in on the uh, the Holland Spider Man movies. Yeah, yeah, and they really just you know couldn't. Mm-hmm. They just man, they they just didn't have it together. Yeah, I will say that I enjoy the dialogue between uh, Hardy as Venom and Hardy as Hardy as Eddie Brock. <laughs> I enjoy some of that. Eddie <laughs> might be one of my new impersonations. Uh, does he does he really like commit? That, like he does he go full tilt? Oh the the Venom oh, ca- yeah. the Venom character yeah. dialogue is full tilt. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. And it's uh, Tom Hardy doing his weird. Uh, you know, Tom Hardy has this thing for strange accents and voices and Walter mumbles. Bird. Yeah, and mumbles. <laughs> and it was before Bane, but it. Uh, you know, it's that's kind of accentuated it. But if you see, uh, I haven't seen it all, but I've watched some of Capone. Just uh, I'm going to watch it, but I just watched some oh, of it. So am I. So the, for uh, because somebody said something to me about it, and I heard him talking in that, and I was like, wow. And uh, he just has this thing for these. I mean, I think that's how he gets into characters. He just, you know, he voices. But his his venom is pretty fun. It's Eddie. What are we doing, Eddie? <laughs> uh, so I enjoyed those those aspects of it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a weird thing. It's uh, definitely a, you know you just feel like it's a paycheck movie. It's like you know Michelle yeah, Williams yeah. is here for some reason. And wow, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh man, she's pointless. Yeah, it's, in the movie. It just, yeah, really, it really just seems like such a fucking what the fuck are they doing in yeah. this thing kind yeah. of deal. Yeah, and then the uh, the whole reveal at the well, end is kind of funny uh, because yeah. it's like, really? I mean, the, yeah, <laughs> every yeah, actor that, yeah. has to have a comic book character, and I just like this. I, and I'm see this actor come up. I'm not going to give it away. I see this actor come up. I'm like, well, what's he going to be? And then he says oh, a certain word, and I'm like, oh god, yep. seriously? <laughs> oh yeah. So we'll yeah, uh, we'll get a sequel. Oh, there's there's sequel uh, that they're supposed to be doing. So yeah, yeah. Uh, really? But yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I got a sequel. I must oh, yeah. have made a decent amount of bank then, obviously. Well, yeah, just by nature of uh, its. Well, nature. yeah, it's got um, enough. Yeah, enough yeah. Uh, heft behind. Uh, yeah, but I got to say, you know, the, the Venom, the symbiote characters, and all that in the Spider-Man universe have never been an appeal to me ever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just, I never found them interesting. I never, I mean, well, oh, I should back that up for like 10 seconds back in the, when they first appeared, I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of neat. Oh, da, 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 da. That original storyline, uh, with the symbiote suit with Spider-Man, it was good stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, but then it just kind of became this thing. And that now that I think there's like fucking 20 symbiote characters yeah. and yeah. Venom and anti-venom and carnage and chaos and this symbiote and that guy and yeah. scream and it's yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? Cause just shut up, man. Do you not yeah. get that you're diluting yeah. everything? I've always seen the uh, symbiotes as an excuse for other archers yeah. to go Todd McFarlane all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of in a lot of ways. Although you know the the recent uh, Venom series, just to go off on the uh, comic book tangent for two seconds here, the recent uh, Venom series by Donny Cates is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I will say that. Uh, not great. But, what's uh, you what's know, interesting about this film good. is that Venom looks like Venom, but uh, yeah. he doesn't have Spider-Man to refer to in the movie, so yeah, it's kind of weird that he looks like Venom. Uh, yeah, right? I mean, that's being a little comic book nerdy, but I mean, I'm, he just he appears, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe he saw a Spider-Man movie. 
You know, because Venom's kind of a take on Spider-Man, kind of this hulkish Spider-Man monstrosity, right? So yep, yep. that he looks like Spider-Man. The only, the only difference is he does not have the Spider-Man across his chest, but he, the emblem. But, I mean, other than that, he's very <clears throat> Venom. Yeah, I, I keep saying Venom, and every time I say Venom, I hear the Eminem theme song to this movie. Is that uh, an Eminem theme song? Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> and... Uh, there's a chorus to that Eminem theme song that goes Venom, 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 Venom. <laughs> it's like, Come on. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, not great, uh, certainly not great. Um, but uh, again, I, I enjoyed the hearty of it all. I guess I yeah. There's that, uh, and of course, it looks slick, but it is a mess. Uh, Ruben Fleischer's yeah, an interesting director. His movies do what look, it yeah. His movies look good, but they're always a mess. Uh, Zombieland. I didn't see the second Zombieland, but I did see the first one. And I'll admit it. I liked the way it looked, but I just didn't care for the movie. Um, uh, my son wanted to rewatch The Avengers, the original Avengers. The original. 2012. It's eight years old, believe it or not. And um, we rewatched Man, that's that. That's like ancient history. Yeah, I know. Um, Blu-ray still worked. Uh, <laughs> 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 the, <laughs> yes. The... Uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, these, these movies, uh, again, I like them. Uh, I know uh, people think I don't care for them. I, I do, I do like them. Uh, they just, they don't blow me away. And, you know, I, if I never had to see another Avengers movie, I wouldn't care. But, uh, you know, I enjoy this one. Uh, it's, I think I like Age of Ultron more than this one. I think it feels a little bit more personal. This one feels a little distant and I never really cared for the, uh, what is that thing called? What is that cube called? What is that? The, the MacGuffin. Uh, the well, they call it Tesseract. The Tesseract. Yeah. yeah. I hate the Tesseract. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a stupid big glowing cube and nothing. Well, uh, it's actually you know, more than that. <laughs> it is more than that, but I just ha- I hate things. I I'm not a fan yeah. of things like that. You know, it's just like, yeah. yeah. MacGuffins. Yeah. Like yeah. That, yeah. yeah. MacGuffins like that I don't really care for. Um, it's interesting, though. You're starting to see the aging of effects on some of these movies, and that's kind of comical to me because um, they seem so far advanced. Now, I'm not saying they're bad. They're, they're still really good in this. But you can start to see the uh, the lines, you know what I mean? You're starting to see the yeah. the, differenti- uh, the differentiating thing, especially after watching a uh, fully CG character like Venom, uh, which is six years young, uh, newer, younger, yeah. And uh, even though that stuff's not great, the Venom stuff's not great, um, some of it looks really good uh, in comparison to some of this stuff in Avengers, which is weird to say. Um, yeah, yeah. But the Hulk's still fun. All that stuff's still fun. There's a, a prolonged sequence on the helicarrier of them explaining everything that I had forgotten about, and I hate stuff like that. Man, but I, you I, forgot I, about it, so it was a good yeah, thing. Yeah, and then it came back, and my, my son was like, are they going to get on with anything? Are they moving on? I'm like, no, first they nah. got to explain every single thing about the movie to us and about the Marvel Universe <laughs> up to this point. Yeah. And I hate that stuff. So Well, but that's, that's you know, tentpole, big, least yeah. common denominator fucking movie making that you get now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. you got to re-explain to the audience. I mean, you got to, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm sure there's a scene in Age of Ultron where they re-explain the original Avengers. I'm sure there's fucking a half an hour in Tenet where, you know, we get to hear yeah. all about the theories and the, <laughs> yeah. the explanation of how all of this shit's supposed to work. Yeah. And then and then we'll get another half an hour about the, the actual plot that's yeah. uh, breaking down. I uh, have uh, not heard good things about Tenet. There's a lot of people that are really mad about Tenet. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm kind of excited about it because of that. 
Yeah. No, no, no. I am too. But I, 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 oh, I just hope it honest? ain't like Inception for me where they explain, you know, spend 30, 40 minutes at the beginning of the movie explaining it to me. Right. So. Right. Well, and then, listen, I get why because I, I will at least, and I know you don't like Nolan uh, nearly as much as, as I do. Um, but I, you know, I get why he feels the need or why the studio feels that he has to do these things because he, I think that I give him credit for this much. He is actually trying to get some bigger ideas, hmm. uh, into these sort of, uh, shoe boxes. You know what mm-hmm, I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's trying to do something a little bit different in this, uh, in, inside a genre. So I'll give him credit for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. It is what I it get is. what you're saying. I yeah. get what I get. The complaints. It always feels, yeah. It always feels to me like he's talking down to his audience. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, but it's almost kind of like he feels that he has to. And then, yeah. and then you know, you'll always have that one person who'll be like, "Well, I didn't get it." It's like, well, yeah. now nah, you know why. It's like uh, James, uh-huh. James Cameron with an English accent. Uh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for no one to find a ship in the sea somewhere, and then uh, yeah, right. Know, spend the rest of his time obsessed with diving underwater. I'm going to go race the Lusitania. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, in a in a suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so then I switch gears. So I, I oddly uh, I had bought a Blu-ray, and I was looking through some of the Blu-rays I hadn't opened, uh, which is quite a few of them, and. Um, I saw, hey, I got a 30-minute, I got 30-minute, I got a 30, that would be a bad uh, trial run. I got a 30-day trial of Shudder. So I was like, well, I need to watch Ichi the Killer anyway. Uh, This all works out. So I just went ahead and signed up for Shudder for 30 days, check it out. And I've been looking at Shudder and stuff and checking out. It's a nice service. I like some of the original uh, content that's on there. I like some of those, uh, you know, I haven't watched any of them, but I like that he's got some, you know, like some Norwegian shows, some Swedish shows, stuff like that. You know, obviously like a lot of streaming services, they're trying to find anything they can to throw on there. Mm -hmm. The Joe Bob Briggs drive-in stuff looks like fun. Um, uh, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I know a lot of everybody loves Joe Bob and then, uh, some people don't like, like that kind of monster vision format that he used to run. Uh, but I kind of always enjoyed it cause he always kind of had nice little trivia tidbits and, Everything, although it does feel like now watching it that he's getting fed those lines as opposed to back when he was younger, it kind of felt like it was all coming out of his brain. Uh, anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, looks like a pretty nice service, so I watched Ichi the Killer on there, but then I was like, well, I'll look at some of this other stuff. So I checked out To Hell and Back, the Kane Hodder story, uh, yeah. which I had, uh, you know, I knew most of Kane Hodder's story, but you know. Kane Hodder's kind of an interesting guy, and so I, I thought, mm-hmm. I'll check it out. And it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I was actually kind of surprised how much it kind of goes into, you know, uh, burn victim therapy and things like that because of his early kind of accident uh, with a burn that he did. And uh, I thought he did it on a movie set, but he actually did it as part of like a uh, like a local town, like, uh, you know, local boy trying to make it in Hollywood as a stuntman. Uh, some journalist wanted to do an interview with him, and... He's like, yeah, let's go to this area. I'll show you how to do a burn. No big deal. And uh, it just went wrong. And, uh, you know, six months later, he was still recovering. And uh, there's some pretty gruesome details in there about burn recovery. And he's really big on that. He spends a lot of time with burn victims and things. Uh, Interesting stuff. Uh, You know, obviously, uh, Kane Hunter's, you know, mostly known for playing Jason. And uh, I'm not really, uh, to this audience that probably listening to this show, the name Kane Hunter probably doesn't need any explanation. But. Uh, kind of fun, uh, and it kind of goes into everything there. But it's it's also kind of a standard biopic. It's not really anything that's going to blow your mind. Um, I, I I liked a lot of the early stuff. Like I didn't know like his first film appearance is a California Split. 
Oh um, my God, really? Yeah, he's an extra in that. Uh, so it's wow. kind of funny that he's in there and he's in a few other things. And uh, I'd forgotten that he had acted uh, a little bit opposite uh, Charlize Theron in Monster, which he kind of takes pride in because she won an Oscar for that. And, you know, actors like him or stuntmen like him don't really get to be in front of the camera for big things like that. So, but no. he isn't that, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was fine. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna fire fire up that Tom Savini one on there some point. Check it out. It's, yeah, you might get a little and grind my teeth the whole time I watch yeah, it. You will. You will. Might need a mouthpiece for that one. Uh, it's a bit of a, a like a a fluff story. Self. Oh yeah, it, it just kind of very self masturbatory. Oh like. yeah. That's there exactly is some interesting stuff in there, mind you, mind you. There is a few things I yeah. found interesting, but there is like there is a little too much fawning from my. If it's too much fawning for my taste, yeah, you know, they have lots of uh, lots of him skanking on his fans. Yeah, they they don't have uh, no. They yeah, probably they, don't have any of that because nope. that's what he doesn't want they, you to know. That's right. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. But uh, right. it is funny you say that because that's a good word for the Kane Hodder one too. It's a little. It's a little fantastic. Not, fan, yeah, well, not a lot of those things. Yeah, yeah. but they it's are, but they're, it, and they're very much made by fans, and they're well intentioned. Their hearts in the right yeah, place, but yeah. I mean, there has to be a measure of um, you have to be able to detach yourself a little bit from the subject matter. Um, otherwise, it is just you know at best like a, a, a supplemental feature on a disc. That's yeah. just I never know what it funny. is about you know it, it's not a bad thing. I'm going to say this out loud, and it's going to sound like a bad thing, but it's not. It's not a bad thing that these documentaries always feel like they got to tell you that these guys that play killers in movies are the nicest guys in real life. Oh yeah, I, I'm sure they might be, um, but God, do they? There is some fawning in the Kane Hodder one. Let me tell you. Oh, he's a, he's the biggest sweetheart. Just a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. He really chokes his fans at the conventions, but he really means it well. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, people evidently people line up and they like that, but I'm just saying, you know, it's it's just that's I don't thing, man. Yeah, that's that's right. It does something for them. Hey, some people do it alone in their hotel room. That's right. And some people don't yeah. come out they don't come out the other side of that. A couple they famous people have uh <laughs> yeah. Doesn't work out. No. Um Anyway, uh, it's fine. It's fine. But I, but I like the service, the the uh, Shutter service. It looks pretty interesting. Yeah. Obviously, there's some uh, some stuff on there that's uh, got my interest. And hopefully, over these thirty days, I'm gonna, you know, I might keep it a month or two and run through some things. So we'll that's see how it goes. Stuff. I think it's worth the worth the chingaleros. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad for what it costs and everything. It's a pretty nice looking service. Uh, then I switched gears and me and my daughter alone, we watched, uh, Phineas and Ferb, the movie Candace against the universe. Oh, man. Yeah. Now she had seen this somewhere, uh, probably at a uh, sitter or something she went to. And, uh, she said, dad, let's watch this. And I was like, okay, well I like Phineas and Ferb, the TV show. Yeah, so do I. And, uh, I like some of the movies and my son, you know, he watched it when he was younger, but we got away from it for years because, Obviously, my son grew up, and you move on, and then every now and then you see something that reminds you of those days and stuff, and you get a little nostalgic, get that little warm fuzzy and stuff. But mm-hmm. the uh, this one was a new. This one was just released not too long ago on Disney Plus, uh, a couple weeks, maybe a week, maybe this week, maybe last week. Newer. It looks really nice. Got some pretty good songs in it and some fun. It's not bad. It's not awesome, but it's it's not bad either. I mean, I, I had a good time with it. It's more about Candace this time, and I do have a thing for. 
Ashley Tisdale, whatever that says about me. I don't know what it says about me, but I do have a thing for her. Mm. Uh, yeah, always have. And, uh, yeah, I've always liked the Candace character because I've always felt bad for her. She's always trying to tell on her yep. brothers, and she... Never fucking works out. Yeah, her timing is always off, no matter what she tries to do. And uh, I've always enjoyed the aspect of her that thinks she's finally got it. You know, this kind of excitement oh, yeah. that she finally has got them busted. Mm-hmm. And then somehow the the two brothers innocently are like, you know, they're out of it again. So it's it's fun. It's it's fine. And, I, you know, I, my daughter liked it. And, I, again, I'll tell you, my daughter is, of my two children, my daughter is the movie watcher. My son, he could care less a lot of times. He'll, he'll watch something every now and then, and he'll be like, yeah, that was fine. Then he just moves on. Uh, my daughter, she'll she'll watch anything. I can't I can't put anything on in the background with my daughter because she will watch it uh, hook, line, and sinker. Man, doesn't matter what oh, it man. is. I had uh, something on the other day. I think I may have said this on the air. I don't know if I did. And the character said, "Oh shit!" And she immediately said, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and uh, which is awesome, but uh, also you know uh, unexplainable to my wife. So you know it's one of those things. So. And my wife knows the kind of stuff I watch, so she's always like, you know, <laughs> please don't be watching Death Wish in front of her. I'm like, well, I'm not planning on it, but certainly, definitely not with her attention span because she she dials in, man. She dials in, so it's interesting the way kids can be different and the way they uh, do oh, things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so my son's more interested in creating than watching. Uh, so that seems to be his thing. And my daughter's much more interested in watching than creating, so... She is definitely interested in destruction, let me tell you, <laughs> for what it's worth. But, yeah, they uh, they couldn't be more different, those two. Um, all right, that is uh, all I watched. I did uh, watch, uh, Todd, you ever, did you crack that season two of The Boys yet? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so. That, yeah, I got all four of those. I'm up to yeah, date, buddy. Yeah, I'm up to date on that, too. But I got to say that uh, I just had to run this by you while we're still talking about what we've been watching. That's the scene in the first with Homelander in the milk. Uh, did that make you gag a little bit? A little bit. I got a little. Well, you know, it's uh, it's turning into a theme. Uh, and uh, oh my yeah, god, it was, was kind of chunky. Oh, it's so gross. That was that was some turned uh, some spoiled milk there. Yeah. Uh, will you and the oh, fa- you and the family still? But, you know, consider, but I will say this: considering where it came from, I kind of almost <laughs> I'm almost giving him a pass. Well, there you go. We all have our things. And you know, Sammy, you're talking about Ashley Tisdale there. Um, yeah. Did you know that she said that Zach Afron was her worst on-screen kiss? Yeah, well, no according way. to Cosmo, he was the Cosmo. Yeah, he was my worst off-screen kiss. Right? Yeah. After watching the paper boy, well, that was the, just uh, his balls, though, right? Oh yeah. Well, he had He's to shave them around them, them balls. Yeah. Will you and the family still hanging in there with the Lovecraft Lovecraft Country? Uh, I gotta say, man, we watched the second episode, and then we we went on a Cobra Kai binge. So we didn't have, you know, we we've never been a like TV family other than a couple of shows, like Teresa and I even. Right, it's always been this neurotic thing to say. Well, I could have watched X amount of films instead of binging this TV. So <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. We've kind of loosened the reins a bit, but uh, I got to say, man, I watched the second episode of of Lovecraft Country, and it was so bonkers and <laughs> yep, just very random. Like it didn't yep. feel organic or like it had set the table in in the right way to pull out some of the stuff it was doing and. Yeah. We no one's really mentioned it since. I mean, like I said, it's a shame. I think it's a missed opportunity uh, yeah. not to bury yeah. the show. Well, I'm sure we'll get back to it, but um, it's like it, an ice skater. It's like it was like the first episode was like an ice skater going into a triple axle, and then the second episode, 
that this ice skater fell over, snapped their fucking leg behind their head, lit themselves on fire, and yeah. then puked on the ice. Yeah, and, and then exactly. started twisting their own nipples. Yeah, got up and was just nice. on, trying to be graceful. It just, it, it, I don't know. I don't think they set the table well enough to, to start pulling out some of the stuff. It just comes out of nowhere. You're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. on this show, we like random and bonkers. But, um, yeah, it, it, the show, because of sort of the production value and stuff, you expect a little more restraint and kind of a gradual, um, build to something so i'm sure we'll get back to it but yeah i a little bit of a missed opportunity yeah. thus far we'll be curious what you think todd jumped off last week he, he got to episode after, three. after four episodes was that or? uh i made it three i was just Did like you? jesus Christ, give me yeah. a, it's too bad on. it's too bad i love i love the the two young leads um i think he's going to be a star i think both of them are going to you know be pretty big and i, I think yep. one of you found her a big rating maybe from what i recall but um i think he's fantastic obviously he was into five bloods and uh, I think something else, but I, I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the the acting is fine. It's the storytelling. CGI, man. Come on. Well, yeah, but, well, between that, the, the ultra broadness of uh, yeah. everything that's going on, the ham-fisted uh, shit that they're throwing in there with it, just, uh, yeah. I, 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 just it doesn't just, do it for me. Yeah, I was just kind of surprised at the lack of subtlety for the thing, so. Oh, big time, big time. And, it, you know, that's coming from, and I love uh, not only michael k williams but uh you know like i said before um courtney vance i love yeah, yeah. uh and you know to just uh, it just yeah. i don't think either one of those guys are served by this thing i don't think anybody really is i don't think it's all that great i think it's really man it's just so fucking broad and kind of scattershot and it kind of feels like you know when i was watching the third episode i i it just dawned on me that this was almost like Friday the Thirteenth, the series, yeah, but not as entertaining. So it's funny that Will said that uh, you know this kind of neurotic. I could be watching more films instead of watching this show thing, but that's the that's the feeling I had during episode two. It's actually that feeling like I could be watching a movie right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, and I and I, I say this, and I say this as a film lover first and a, a TV liker second. Um, when you you can't get it back and a lot of times i just feel like as great as some of this tv is that we've been enjoying i just still feel like the ceiling for film is so much higher right so, i mean and that's a very um personal opinion um it is a golden age for tv it just seems like there's an, a, an embarrassment of riches um I'm sure I could find 10 shows that I would love across the, yeah. the streaming platforms but it just feels like yeah like you said um the ceiling for me is just higher on film. So yeah, yeah. it's just it's what just where do? that's where the storytellers have went. They've went to the TV because yeah, some of the long form stuff for sure. Yeah, because they can't. Uh, a lot of people can't get more films freedom. Made. Yeah, they can't get films right. made. You can only only if you're Tom Cruise or uh, I'm trying to think of another movie star. Can you get any kind of those kind of movies made? And then you got to get comic book movies made, and then it's just that it's a, a, a empty wasteland. If you're Christopher Nolan, you can still get movies made. Yeah, it's it's the, you know it's the big temple stuff, but yeah. uh, it's I, I'll tell you, it's funny you see people like uh, Charlie Kaufman's new film that came out this week and mm-hmm. on Netflix was I'm not there anymore. What is it called? Uh, I'm thinking about ending it. I'm thinking about ending, yeah. I think I think, some, thinking of ending things. I'm something. thinking of ending things. That's what's called. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of anything. There you go. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just it's uh, again. I said it a few weeks ago. A few of the platforms they're giving a voice to auteurs and yeah. 
filmmakers we love, be it in TV or with their films. And I think they have the money to throw around. So they give them creative control. And we're just seeing more and more of that yeah. uh, as opposed to the studio stuff. And yeah, interesting time for yeah. sure. I'll tell you one more thing briefly. I just want to piss on it. Um, so is it, is it my face? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring it. You know it, man. I hope I've, you. I hope you had some good asparagus. Oh, I had lots of asparagus. I haven't hydrated very well. And a pot of coffee. Oh, pot of coffee. So bitter. Yeah. So bitter. So bitter, man. <laughs> well, let's me burn, in a nutshell. Gonna burn your eyes. Todd does love those Sweet IPAs. <laughs> I do. I do love being a bitter old man. You like those yeah. IPAs quite a bit. You got to get lots a of pretzels in my. About to get a Canadian IPA right in the face. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> That fucking moose head fish. <laughs> it's gonna sting, baby. Right in the corner of your eye. But uh, uh all yeah, uh showers aside, um <laughs> the kids and and we turn this one off fast, but it was one of those where I guised it as being turned off because I was outraged at what they were watching, but it was so dog shit. Uh, what's it called? The baby, the, the sequel to the babysitter. Um, oh yeah, that Netflix Return thing. Scream Queen. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, this was painful. <laughs> I got about fifty minutes in, and there was some like some some sexual, really crass, really vulgar stuff going on. That's, and uh, we yeah. said, oh, I don't know, guys, this is <laughs> a bit a lot of your depth here. And <laughs> well, did we you guys a, watch the first one? <laughs> I think, you know, the kids I mean, snuck do, it in. Do you feel they, that you need to? <laughs> no, no. Here's the thing. So the kids watched the first one. Okay, <laughs> Somehow without us, you know. I mean, I you got to you, you, Yeah, you got to watch the whole canon, you know. I was, I was yeah, I was thinking to myself, well, huh? That's a random jump in point. Yeah. No, the kids had watched the first one on their own and God bless them. Like, you know, they're going to the joy of discovery, I guess. But uh, I hadn't seen it, but they wanted to watch something, a sequel that uh, to something they had discovered. I said, hey, let's throw it on. It's a horror film, whatever. It might be decent. Talk about thinking it's more clever than it is. Yeah. I mean, honestly, oh, I just, just fuck off this film. Yeah. It was so, I'm glad, like, I'm glad I could be more like faux morally outraged at this uh, or just or faux kind of like, oh, guys, you know, we you can't watch this. And thankfully it was vulgar and crass enough that they shouldn't have been watching. I mean, that sounds weird when I'm showing them stuff like the burning and I don't know, as we've talked about, there's a certain naivety or innocence to some of the 80s stuff that nowadays uh, there's just a cynicism and a, I don't know, it, but this was terrible. I mean, I know some of our friends I've seen watched it and enjoyed it, but not for this guy. Yeah. Man. Right. Yeah, I got to yeah. say, again, like Milan, not interested. Yeah, well, that's just, there's my sort of, <laughs> I was going to jump on the grenade, rolled on it, thought better of it, jumped yeah. off and ran out of the fucking jungle as fast as I could. Yeah. yeah. Man. Not fighting those uh, combi bastards. No. All right. CCR, uh, Will was uh, running through the jungle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll run through the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> nice man bringing the heat at 6 a.m on a sunday all right uh take we're gonna take a short break we'll come back and uh you guys want to do retribution first i know we usually do uh, chronological or do you want to do ichi first depending let's on do, yeah, uh, whatever way you want let's Don't do retribution first we'll okay. do chronological. let's knock it out uh we'll take a short break be back right after this
All right. Get a little earworm action in your ear for this morning. You'll be singing it all day, I bet. Party all. <laughs> that uh, that's one of that might be Braden's favorite karaoke jam. That's a good nice. one. That's a truck karaoke. There we go. Yeah, a little truck karaoke. Truck, what's, what's truck karaoke? <laughs> well, we'll be. We'll, I always let them like we have a thing. Dad, can I pick a song? Can I pick a song? So he likes to pay. I like, you know, democracy and all, right? It's not a dictatorship in the truck. So, <laughs> oh, uh, in, in the truck. Okay. Okay. I get in it. In the I truck. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we were going somewhere. And I like to let them pick a couple songs on Spotify. I so. thought maybe that was like a brand thing. Like there was some kind of like. It is like, now. Trunk or treat or some yeah. shit like that. Right. I didn't know. No, oh, yeah. No, it so didn't occur always, to me. Yeah. No, no. That's all good. Yeah. It's a bit of a vague reference, but he likes to jam to. Uh, Earthman and Fire, man. Yeah. Well, you can't, yeah. can't go wrong there. Not in Sir Duke. Nice. Yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with a little Earthman and Fire. Definitely nothing wrong with no that. No way. And that's fire, how we say it down here. Fire. Fire. <laughs> we like that fire. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get into our first film of the morning. It's not the evening. Might be the evening for you, but it is not for us. It is still the evening for me. Uh, ooh, Retribution, 1987. Uh, this is uh, the basic plot synopsis is a manic depressive artist <laughs> survives a suicidal fall only to be possessed by a murdered gangster who uses the artist to seek vengeance on those that ended his life. Uh-huh. This is directed by Guy Magar. Guy Magar. Uh, <laughs> stars... Uh, Guy Den- Magar, thereby. <laughs> Dennis Lipscomb. Uh, who you may not know by name, but you certainly probably know uh, his face. Uh, he was yeah. in a lot. He played a lot of uh, uh, assistants and uh, first heavy, probably in a lot of '80s films. I remember him heavily in uh, War Games and a few other things. Uh, he's definitely got a memorable face. Um, got Hoyt, Hoyt Axon in here. We got Leslie Wing, Suzanne Snyder's in here, who uh, plays the uh, the Hooker Angel. I believe was she was she in Return of the Living Dead or was she was, Part Three? Yeah, that's right. She was in one of the Dead. Films. Part Three or Part Two? Part Two, Part Two. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't remember which one. I remember her. She was in one of the films we talked about at some point. So, uh, and a few other character actors and odds and ends here. Um, Susan Peretz is in here. You've probably seen her in some things. Oh yeah. Um, so this is a. Uh, I'll let Will kind of talk about the reason why he picked this uh, since he wasn't here last week to kind of explain his pick. So. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I was just uh, taking a dive down a few rabbit holes, looking for something kind of. Actually, no, I wasn't even really actively looking for something. I'd stumbled onto this. I can't remember what the synopsis I read was, but it was just a one sentence kind of quick sell, like it's RoboCop meets Nightmare on Elm Street, something stupid like that. And I thought, oh man, I've never even heard of this film. <laughs> I'm like, had you guys even heard of this one? No, no. Uh, I'm gonna say no. I had not. Sorry, I was yawning, but I'm gonna say no. I have not. No, I heard hadn't. Of this. I hadn't even skimmed over this one in like a Fangoria. No. And no, if I no. had, I, it, it completely did not register. And that's the thing that kind of struck me was I was, you know, most horror films of the '80s we've at least heard of, or we saw it in the video store, or we saw sure. it in Fangoria, or, or or now we've seen it online somewhere, someone referencing it. This was just completely off the radar, and uh, and 1987, man, golden yep. year. Thought yep. let's, uh, and it just felt random. I just felt like you know sometimes I've, I've picked some more serious stuff or artsy stuff or Criterion stuff, and just wanted something junky and random. Roll the dice or the die, as they yeah. say, <laughs> and 
see what we came up with. So I guess we'll see what the, what we came up with here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know who wants to lead on it, Todd, me or you. I, I don't care. I'll, you know. uh, I could jump through this yeah. hoop. If you're interested, go uh, ahead. Light it on fire, baby. Um, okay, so I uh, I like that they use the police squad cop light shot for the uh, the credits of this thing. Oh yeah. Um, it's just you know kind of following behind. Uh, and you know, bear in mind that this movie takes over three minutes of credits uh, and very disjointed editing until we discover what's actually going on, which is basically the Lipscomb character getting yeah. ready to jump uh, off the building. Yeah, it's nine. It is- it's nine minutes before you hear any dialogue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is interesting though how uh, this uh, this thing this that's happening uh, it's treated like a show by the onlookers. Uh, I I think in this uh, this opening scene, I I believe there's a guy selling hot dogs to trick or treaters. Uh, uh, <laughs> while the, all this is happening, I may yeah. be misremembering that. No, I think you might be right. But I'm just like, really? You're selling hot dogs at a suicide? Uh, so, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. only in uh, only in wherever this is set. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I think that it should be stated up front that Magar uh, gave us uh, two things uh, in his filmography. Um, he gave us both my favorite episode of Hunter, uh, the Dead or Alive episode with uh, Wings Hauser. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but also, he gave us one of the more fabulously ludicrous episodes of Buck Rogers, which would be the Space Rockers episode. Yeah. Uh, where everybody's uh, dancing around with uh, with colored uh, lights, <laughs> which is great to some funky disco beats. Was uh, oddly has uh, there's some funky colored lights in this movie. So there are that. Yeah, uh, and he, he started with Buck Rogers. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, he started at Buck Rogers, didn't he? That's why he started a director. Uh, I think he did. Yeah, it was really really early on. Yeah. Um, I had never so, really heard of Guy Magar. No. Um, no. But it's a, it's a, you would think that, you know, that kind of a name you would think would have registered at some point. Stuck. Yeah. yeah. So he's born in Egypt, which is interesting. Okay. He's in this movie. He's the taxi cab driver. Um, so he kind of looks like, uh, oh, like the chubby kid from Friday the 13th part five or something. <laughs> he kind of looks like that. But yeah, he did some, uh, some TV or work. Shelly from part three? I don't know. Yeah, or Shelly. Yeah. He's one of the chubby kids from one of the Friday 13th. Let's put it that way. But yeah, he started out in TV and did a lot of, did a lot of the shows we love. Uh, you know, a yeah. show I love. Powers called- of Matthew Star. I saw the Italian caper the other week. Like yeah. A month or two ago. And the A-Team. He did a couple episodes of the, the A-Team. A-team yeah. Mark Castle McCormick. Uh, you know, like you said, Hunter. And, and yeah. then, he, you know, this was his first film. And uh, then he did a couple other films. Looks like he did the third Stepfather film, which was a TV film. And. Uh, Any children of the corn revelation he directed? Yeah, that was in two thousand one. So, so, yeah, he's he's kind of one of these guys. It seems like that was he just never quite got over. Did a lot of TV, and I don't know. Well, I think it's kind of yeah. interesting to talk about because I think, honestly, in my opinion, I think he has a bit of an eye. I agree, and I think yes, that the film, this film, is certainly much more better looking than the film is good. Yes. Uh, uh, in my opinion, I, I know. Well, I know. Yeah. Let's but get in. Let's I get. think in saying that, though, one of the the reasons he he see this film is unusual for a late '80s direct-to-video horror film, in that. Yes, I think some of the technical aspects are 
a lot better. And not even just the technical aspects, but it seems like there was more heart put into trying to flesh this out. There's more characterization. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alan Howarth did the score for the film. Yep. Yep. And it feels, and very, feels very John Carpenter-ish, which is... Oh, it does. It absolutely <laughs> does. And it, like I said, the opening like three minutes are really strong visually. And there are some strong visuals throughout, but I really dug the opening to this film. I'm, I'm trying to find the fucking DOP's name right now, but um, it's it's visually... He's really um, assisted or it's he's, he serves well by the, the Holworth score and the uh, cinematography. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. some of the writing, quite frankly, like I think there's there's reason. I, I think we more than most, especially of this films of this ilk, I think we have more sympathy for the George uh, George Miller. That is uh, the George Miller character. I think there's a reasonable amount of sympathy uh, garnered for him. Uh, there absolutely is. Uh, Limpscomb, I think, is you know when you look at him, I think he's a rather odd choice. Uh, he for is. protagonist, he has well. He's got a very non-traditional Hollywood look, uh, which you know here. Think Toby Jones. He's like yeah. he's like. Well, I if mean, they made this today. It'd be Toby Jones. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and his look here is accented by the the Dutch boy hairdo and his oh, penchant for uh, baggy cardigans. Dude, he <laughs> oh, yeah. loves his baggy cardigans. <laughs> yes. Um And oh. you know, but, but Lipscomb himself. I mean, he's generally far better known for playing creepy bad guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's really good. But at that. Uh, I think this is also the reason why uh, his look works uh, as well as it does for this particular role. Uh, and I do think that he's uh, he's a solid actor. And I think that yes. you know, I think that in this particular movie, you do buy his anguish. You do. Uh, he he even gives a, a single tear role uh, at one point. So Dropping you know, that single got, tear yeah, hammer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, I think that he does a very nice job switching between uh, the personas in this thing. Um, and you know, since he's the, he's the lead, uh, that's you know that's really kind of pretty damn important. That's very important. Um, but you were talking about the writing a little bit. I think that you know they do take a considerable uh, amount of time, kind of developing sympathy for George, uh, and I think that it goes a long way for the story. Um, and you know, they they surround him uh, with characters who are also sympathetic or at least yes. likable enough. I agree. Uh, but far more exaggerated. They're, you know, they're 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 very much types. You know, they're very much type characters. Of course, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think we get enough of them that you you kind of get drawn in and you feel comfy, and so you go along with it. Uh, I think that let's see here. Do, 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 do. Uh, if you think about it, you could sort of draw a line between this movie and like Brad Dourif's character and body parts. It's so funny uh, you say or, that. Or I, I completely agree. Or a white version of JD's Revenge. JD's Revenge, absolutely, uh, man. Absolutely. absolutely, those are the two. I, those are the two I wrote down. But JD's I, Revenge. She. Body parts. She. That's right. Ah, fuck you, woman. Okay, uh, but we, you know, we don't really spend much time on George the artist uh, itself. You know, it pops up here and there to remind us he he is one, or to show, uh, you know, the veto. Uh, poltergeist i guess or whatever inserting himself into george's life but that's about it uh we don't really know why the george character is unsuccessful other than knowing that this is likely you know why he lives in a slum is because he's unsuccessful you know i also found it interesting yeah uh i also found it an interesting choice that george uh who looks like he'd be a real stick up the ass uh smoke cigarettes and weeds uh he drinks and he is not averse 
to partying down. He'll, he'll party down with his buddies. That's right. Well, uh, which is just yeah. it's, it's just it's such an odd dichotomy because his look doesn't quite match. Although I got sort of. Uh, I gotta say, it's a party foul to bring the motorcycle indoors. I was gonna say, is that high class or low class? I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's both. It's definitely it's high art and low class. Yeah, it's very GGTMC never, in never, a lot of ways. I've never personally been to a party where that's happened, but you know, uh, I've seen it happen in movies a couple of times, so it has to, right? I wish that I erotic thriller we covered with uh, no. Davy had a motorcycle in the apartment as well. Yeah. I wish I could say <laughs> this, second, uh, you're probably not going to be surprised happened. by this, but uh, I wish I could say I hadn't been to a party with a motorcycle indoors. <laughs> uh, I find that extremely easy to believe, Sammy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, you know, the party, uh, this, well, uh, not the party scene, but, uh, around that point, uh, this movie has possibly the most uses of the word pussy in a single scene in the history of cinema. Um, uh, yeah, it is. When they're looking for, yeah. Right? Pussy, pussy. Pussy, 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 Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lipscomb's transformation basically consists of glowing eyes and putting on fingerless gloves, you know, as it should. Dude, very uh, GGTMC. When, they, when right? they have like a close up of the fingerless glove, we're like, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what's up. But you get, you know, the uh, the effects in these scenes with like the wind blowing, the light strobing, the colored gels, the Dutch angles, it all feels very, very Italian to me. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, uh, it absolutely does. And of course, you know the the makeup effects that uh, that coincide with these uh, these scenes are sufficiently juicy and gross. Uh, and I would say that uh, Magar covers and edits them all pretty well. Um, that being said, the supernatural scenes seem just a bit flatter mm-hmm. than the other scenes in the movie. Yeah, uh, maybe because that's be- maybe that's because they're so far removed and so overtly cartoonish in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um. So there's that. Uh, so George's doctor, uh, who's Dr. Curtis, played by Leslie, what the hell is her name? Leslie Wing. Wing. Leslie Wing. Uh, Leslie Wing. She's a bit Winona Ridery. I, I quite like bit. her. A little bit. She is. She's a little, uh, you know, uh, little Winona Ryder, a little, um, what's the name of that actress? What's that one actress that was in uh, Christine? Oh, uh, uh, Alexander Peter's, Paul? Yeah, Paul. Yeah, a little Paul, a little uh, Winona Ryder-ish. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I was, I was, uh, I wanted more Leslie Wing. So did I. I thought she was cute. She yeah. was good. Well, but she, yeah, she just, she just kind of, she doesn't really seem to, yeah, she doesn't kind of seem to be there as much as you would think she would play a part in this thing. Yeah. And she got, yeah. a, she got a think. boyfriend. She's got a boyfriend who's a bit of like a porny kind of tool kind of guy. A bit yeah. porny. He's not a bit porny. Um, He's a lot porny, man. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I, I, I also kind of like that they don't try to set George up with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Would have been the obvious. In, you know, beat, George. Right? Yeah, because George is interested in in the Suzanne Snyder character, who's you know she's a hooker. Yeah, uh, who is of course named Angel. Yeah, um, yeah, because every hooker in L.A. is named Angel. Yeah, um, she is dressed and, like such an '80s hooker too, oh, like man. an '80s film yeah. hooker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and of course, you know this is this relationship between the two of them we know is doomed from Jump Street, even though you know we have a certain sweetness in there, uh, which I think helps it out a hell of a lot. Oh, uh, she was in Killer so, Clowns from Outer Space. That's the thing we yes, covered not I, too long ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. I've always had a soft spot. Wait, who was Leslie Snyder. Wing? No, no Suzanne not, Snyder. Suzanne. Snyder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll, yeah. I've always loved her because I'm a big Weird Science fan, right? So yeah. she's got a nice little '80s filmography. Okay. She did Weird Science, Killer Clowns, We're Living Dead, this Remo Williams. Oh, she was uh-huh. the nurse in Remo Williams. How about that? Yeah. 
about that shit? So, Night of the she Creeps. Just fucking she did an episode ahead of the class. Yeah. <laughs> Will the real good, Arvid good. Engen please stand up? Yeah. That was it. That was the good one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we Night of the Creeps. Don't forget Night of the Creeps. Yeah. She had a run. Like she's low key one of the better kind of eighties. I don't want. I don't want to say scream queens, but. One of the, uh, I don't know what we'd say, but she yeah, had a good little film on. Yeah, I, I, there you go. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. She's yeah. got a solid body of work. Uh-huh. And she puts it to good use here with Dennis. Um, she also did an episode of Riptide to tie it in with Guy Magar. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> nice. Uh, the intro scenes in the meatpacking plant are pretty fucking gross. Uh, like, not oh. enough to make me go vegan, but uh, but definitely gross. Definitely close. Yeah, right. Also, in this particular sequence, uh, you know, I, I, you got to mention that uh, on the show, we've certainly had Barbara Boucher's face in a pig's carcass. Uh, oh, and, now, and now we can say we've had Mario Rocuzzo's head popping out of a cow's ass. Uh, you want to know less, something, man? So. This is how I know the three of us are just meant to roll together because I think the line I had, if I can find it, was um, this is the most interior carcass trauma we've had on the show since, since Henry Silva dropped anal on Barbara Boucher. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is true. True story. And, yeah. Lipscomb with, like you said, that Dutch boy hair, he is, it's weird because he, he has a certain sincerity and humanity in the lead that really works. He's yes. really, like I said, it's like a Toby, Toby Jones yes. to paint a picture for people, but he just seems like older and schlubbier than yeah. the character called for, especially considering his romantic angle with Suzanne Snyder. And like it, this feels less likely than any of the love interests that even like it makes all the Paul Nashi love interests seem believable and organic. <laughs> in this film, you know. Well, but yeah, I, I will say this: you know, Nashi at least had the good sense to cast Helgeline uh, in a lot yeah. of his films. So. And the good sense uh, to take his shirt off for the drop of a hat. That's right, buddy. He knew where his fucking bread was buttered, and it was on that chest. Oh, yeah. Uh, that so, chest. Big time. Uh, so the reasoning why uh, George is haunted by Vito is wafer thin, uh, and I cannot yeah. decide uh, quite if that makes George's situation less plausible or more tragic. Uh, you got to do a little bit of like a, you know, a he said, she said on that. Uh, his condition, I think you could compare it to like, um, you could compare it to like Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, but I kept thinking of um, Lawrence Talbot in The Wolfman, uh, not mm-hmm. least because of the uh, the cane that Dr. Curtis gives George in the film. Uh, and then the uh, <laughs> yeah. the actual finale of the movie. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, uh, if you could compare this to one of the, the classic monsters, it would be more Wolfman uh, than Hyde, I think. Um, the relationship. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, there's this relationship with Vito's kid and the widow that are kind of teased uh, as something as, as having something bigger going on. Uh, but they're just they're not developed at all. And I'm not really sure uh, that they could be in the context of this movie's story it's almost like they're strictly there to add runtime which you know this movie does not really need uh and to give a tiny bit of like exposition but i just i found it really odd seeing as how you know it, they kind of you would think they'd be a little more central to the the story of the movie considering what it is but they're not uh, it's just an odd uh sort of uh, addition uh to the the script um uh, you get <laughs> you get that Dr. Rasta. Yeah. Uh, oh, because, man. because naturally, 
conventional white man's medicine can't fathom the supernatural in movies like this. <laughs> yeah, no. um, and of course, you know, Vito does not take kindly uh, to having Dr. Ross to mess with him. And everyone winds up, <laughs> everyone winds up twirling in a circle with each other uh, until the, things end poorly. This is, it's that deadly game of ring around the rosy. Hey, right. With Dr. Ross. <laughs> And as it, you know, we talk about the running gag of red shirts in Star Trek films or the show, but how about any sort of medium or psychic in a oh, horror dude. film? Yeah, they're you're always going to get, yeah, you're going to die. Yeah, you're getting yeah. it. If not possessed, you're getting wiped out. You're getting wiped out. And can we mention just prior to the, the meetup with Dr. Rasta, um, is this the first appearance of a reggae club in a horror film? Ah, uh, if it's not, it should be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like it is, right? Like I it just it does. It does. As much as you know, I'm a big fan of reggae music. I can't recall seeing a reggae club in a horror film prior to this. No, we've seen metal. We've seen punk. We've seen a lot of metal, uh, goth, have, industrial. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, not we, seen reggae. It, it, no. Let's face it, reggae might just be a little too happy. Uh, the for the horror, is, yeah. yeah, you're killing the vibe, man. You're killing the vibe. What yeah. you doing with all that possession, man? <laughs> yeah. Oh man! <laughs> Why don't you smoke some herb and get on up here? We're doing the toots and the metas, R.I.P. <laughs> yes, um, indeed. There's a, 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 a probably the worst uh, tribute to Toots, uh, who just passed on, Your that you could possibly toots. imagine. Yes. Um, so of course you know, and this the Doctor Ross scene. None of it means anything because we're so far into this movie that you know, uh, Vito doesn't even really yeah. try to hide himself much at all. How little? How it. little does it mean? I hardly remember it at all. They see that, and I just watched yeah, it two exactly. days ago. Speaking of not remembering <laughs> things, Hoyt Axton shows up long enough to get some coke money. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we needed more. How Hoyt. about it? Uh, but seriously, I think uh, you know he's he's good enough for the thankless role that he has. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. He's, he's the beleaguered cop on the case, uh, he, and he's Hoyt Axton. But I mean, let's let's be perfectly blunt here. You you and I both know that uh, he was there to. Oh yeah, to get a little uh, snow uh, info. Uh, there, there's the the Todd gem. Can we just say missed <laughs> opportunity with Hoyt Axton? Because I was hoping he was yeah, going to just yeah. pound his fist on a desk, and I was praying that we were going to see Hoyt at a hot dog stand. And mid dog, he was going to have to get in the car and head off on a chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like that dog was going to have the works on it. Fucking yeah. onions, yeah. sauerkraut, Relish. everything. Yep. Relish, m- m- hot mustard. And guess what? We man. we didn't get it. We almost see him have a sip of coffee on a stakeout, but that's it. Yeah, man, that, it. that that would suck having to go on a police chase mid dog, mid yeah. fucking dog. Man. Yeah, I'm I love driving one, dog. Man. Mid dog, I love that. Uh, I yeah, poor Hoyt. Uh, so I appreciated that the uh, the filmmakers mostly stick to their guns with the film's climax, mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll admit that it did tug on the heartstrings a little bit. It does. They do a pretty good job of sticking the landing emotionally until, of right? course, but the, the, those last few seconds yeah. almost derail it to be perfect. They, they do, but it's, it's a, again, the, the score in that scene and the way they play, it is, they do elicit a decent, far more emotion than a direct-to-video yeah. 80s horror film has any business eliciting. Oh, big time, big time. So, yeah, I mean, so final note here, uh, I think that the story is pretty standard i think it plays out standardly for the most part um magar and company 
they know enough to give us some likable characters in a story like this. And I think that, you know, we're willing to forgive a bit of stupidity or um, triteness. And I think this is aided uh, in this movie by the solid effects and the solid stunts. There's some solid uh, stunt work uh, going on in this picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is, I think, some definite effort being put into this thing in front of and behind the camera. Uh, and I appreciate retribution. It has a lack of cynicism, uh, that, uh, that I appreciate, uh, here. And, you know, I have to say that, you know, while this is not Pantheon by any means, um, I think you could do far, far worse in terms of late eighties horror movies. Oh, uh, I think this thing is, you know, it's, it's rock solid. And I, I'll be honest. I went into this expecting absolutely zero and I got, uh, a, a more than, uh, yeah. more than expected. So, yeah. you know, good yeah. on it. I felt uh, the same way. Yeah. That's all I got. So kick it over to Sammy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, just add a few more things to it. I, I did also, uh, so I had joked around with you guys via message that once the word retribution comes up on screen, I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be a turd. <laughs> Cause oh, I yeah. mean, they use some old school, uh, graphics on that retribution word. And I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be rough. I'm not going to like this, but I, I knew immediately that I was in for something a little different because I think the atmosphere is there due to the Haworth score and the way they kind of shoot the beginning of it and everything. It just felt, yeah. it felt ominous. It felt kind of off. And I was like, well, this could be interesting. And, and then, you know, I see Dennis Lipscomb and stuff. And of course the, the Halloween mask always help. And that kind of get, adds, it gives it a little bit of visual flair. But Lipscomb uh, shows up, and then you know he's one of those actors where I always know his name, and I don't always remember his face. And then when I see his yeah. face, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, Dennis Lipscomb. I know who that is. Yep. yep. Um, it's that atmosphere really carries a lot of the movie. I think it's it's a weird dynamic. This kind of a I don't know what they are electrical powers he has. Uh, yeah, know, he's like yeah, James. You don't, it's never it's one of, it's one of those nebulous supernatural in quotes uh, kind yeah, of thing. He's like Jamie Fox, and they not talked about Amazing Spider-Man Part Two. Let's not uh, talk about that. Then so uh, he's got the electro going. The uh, <laughs> uh, but he does these things, and you know this, we got some death scenes by talking oven. I mean, it's, it doesn't really talk, <laughs> but I mean, you know. Yeah, that, that scene, is, that scene in the apartment was just like oh. Yeah. Oh, that felt very Fulci. I agree. It felt well. very Matei. Really? <laughs> well, late cycle, like, what was that one, the washing machine? That was uh, Lindsay. Lindsay, that was Lindsay. Yep. It feels very Italian. It does. In some way. Using, like, practical things that get haunted, you know? I, it's It feels like the Italians ripping off Carrie, like the finale of Carrie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, is totally an Italian thing to do. Uh, Lipscone's got this kind of hangdog look. He always had these, he's got these really thin lips. And uh, he always kind of has this kind of like little sourpuss face. If you look at a lot of his performances, if you remember, yeah, if you remember him in a lot of, uh, you know, like I said, movies that he kind of played, portrayed these characters in, he's always a bit of a, a schemer or like I said, he's never really the main bad guy. He always seems to be like the, the bad guys, you know, number one or number two, like he's always kind of around or he's always some kind of corporate shill of some sort. Uh, so he's always kind of had that aspect to him but he does pull off i think a pretty good crazy guy performance in this a guy losing his mind i think he does a pretty good job because that is always a slippery slope right i mean it can be ludicrous and in some aspects of this movie it is a little bit but i think for the most part you guys are right you you kind of feel for him a little bit you kind of feel like 
you know, this guy's just a sad sack in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have much luck with women. He doesn't have much luck with life. Yeah. Well, he starts off rock bottom. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, you know, he's kind of bring him up to knock him down sort yeah. of throughout the movie then. And, you know, that's what happens when you paint pictures of uh, couches and Something. pants and <laughs> cars. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what it is about 80s films that every time somebody goes into a diner, it feels like the village people are already there. Yeah, but it, well, they usually are. They, it's it's very odd to me the amount of construction workers that always pop up in diners in the '80s movies. It's it's. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a thing, <laughs> but, but the, the, always a lot of hard hats in diners. Uh, you know, uh, always. Yeah, even in uh, what was it, uh, uh, Miracle Mile, a couple weeks ago, man. Yeah, no, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to me. There's always well, a lot of diners are the place for the working man. Yeah, well, yep. I mean, it's true. It's a good place to get a cup of coffee and a couple of eggs. You know. Yep. can't go wrong but I, I had that thought again this time i was like wow look at those guys man all he needs a a guy with an indian like a tribesman in the background some type of shaman and we got it going on you know yeah um but of course you know obviously the running joke is there you know that the village people are playing those stereotypes and and those stereotypes tend to be and you know well they're part of everyday life cops construction workers i don't know about the india uh, the native american man that that one's pushing it a little bit but hey it was the village people. It was a time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, probably couldn't get away with that now. Was it uh, the Native American? Was he actually Native American or was he Mexican? No, he sure wasn't. Yeah, there we go. I feel like he might have been uh, Latino. I think maybe. one of my friend's uncles might have dated him. Nice. Uh, I think. Good for him. That's amazing. Um, um, the Magger himself, like we said, I, I said earlier, he makes an appearance in the movie in a cab scene. It's a pretty good cab scene. It's not a bad one. Uh uh, it's kind of a shame uh, Magger didn't act more. He, he's pretty good in this little brief moment playing against uh, Lipscomb. Sure. And uh, they have uh, they have kind of a good time there, and Lipscomb's causing the taxi to have issues. Uh, he causes the bus to have issues that he's on. Um, there's just these little moments like that. It's kind of interesting to me. I thought, you know, you see the title screen to this film, and you think, oh, this is going to be a cheapie. Uh, you know, we, we all watch a lot of cheap horror films, or we have in our lifetime, sure. So you think to yourself it's going to be pretty cheap, but this movie, they spent a million dollars on this movie. $1.2 million was the budget on this thing. And I think you see that. I think the movie looks oh, yeah. pretty good. Definitely. Uh, and a lot better than I totally expected. I think I was kind of dumbfounded, actually, by the quality of the filmmaking. Now, I'm not saying that I love the movie. I think it's very serviceable, and I think it's good. I also think yeah, it's a bit great. Yeah, I think it's a bit, a bit of a bore as well. It's 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 way too long. It's an hour and 49 minutes. Like if yeah. they cut 20 minutes out of this, I think we would all feel Yeah. Yeah, if they'd have hit the magic better, but, number then. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I mean, he, a 90 minute G spot, man. Yeah. Cuz cuz <laughs> the the good yeah. On a good day for me. Yeah, wow. but, yeah. <laughs> because of the uh the the good moments, you know, the the party, the kind of scenes between him and the hooker sometimes and and some of these things, I mean, uh, I think Magger nails the emotional elements pretty well. And uh, there's some, you know, kind of meet cute, taking girls out for a date type moments in this that are nice. And, yeah. and there's just some nice moments in the movie that aren't horror related. And, uh, and it, it seems like it's a movie that's kind of confused with its identity a little bit. And, a little bit, yeah. I'd say that's definitely in there. And I don't, yeah. And I don't think it's, yeah. 
I don't know. I've always had a problem in some ways with the Possession movie. Uh, I always found them a little hokey. Uh, they're fine. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll watch them. And, and they lead to some nice, especially in the Italian world, they lead to some nice craziness. Uh, you get a little bit, like I said, of that with the Will was talking about the kind of Fulci-esque uh, kitchen scene here. Um, but this one does have more Italian elements than that, like the fingerless gloves. That's clearly an Italian thing there. And, you know, there's just some odd moments like that. But And, and like I said, the score really adds a lot to it. Um, the, the production design is probably, outside of Magar's kind of eye, I think maybe the real standout here. Because I was actually, I mean, he gets all of his million you know, million dollars on that screen, I think. I mean, it mm-hmm. It looks pretty solid for what it is. And, uh, again, I have to go back to that. I mean, you see that title card, and you think and you think this movie's going to look anywhere near as good as it does? It, it's so crazy because the title card looks so fucking junk-ass. And <laughs> it does. Like it, looks, it, looks, it looks junky in the best and worst possible way. Oh, my God. It totally betrays the quality that follows. Yeah. Like if somebody showed me that title card, that title screen, if I saw that on a Facebook post or something, I would not watch this movie. I'd be I like, would run to watch this movie. Yeah, I would be and like, I would have got a different movie than I anticipated. Yeah, I would have been like, I'm not watching that. I've seen, I've been through my full moon phase. I've been through those yeah. things. I'm not Thank watching God. that. But the other side unscathed. Yeah, but coming out the other end and the movie made me contemplate some things so that's something right i mean it made me think about you know manic depression it made me think about the the struggles of a struggling artist it made me think of somebody that just has physical ailments uh that we can't see mental health things like that it just made me think of that and it made me think of the downtrodden it made me think of the people that are you know in society are considered lesser than you know hookers and People who work in people hotels. People on the fringes. Yeah, people who sure. own bars and work in diners. and not, There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good, honest living, but it's unfortunately, it's not a living sometimes that pays well. Uh, and sometimes people get hooked on drugs or alcohol or any number of things. And it, it, it's kind of making a commentary on some of that stuff. Not, not heavy-handed, obviously, but it's, it's kind of all there. I mean, it's, kind of a, it's a very blue-collar movie in a lot of weird ways, and... And I kind of enjoyed that aspect of it. Like, nobody ever felt like they were above anything. Everybody felt like yeah. they were just trying to get by, trying to survive. And uh, Dennis Lipscomb's character and his performance, uh, non-standing his uh, large sweaters and uh, bad haircut, and also, we should say, uh, bad 80s round glasses. Man, that was a time when uh, those came back, and those things were as big as fucking Coke bottles. And I don't mean thick. <laughs> But, I mean, like, they were huge. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think that he portrays mental health and the struggles with mental health very well in this movie. I mean, uh, he's he's a bit hammy in spots. But, yeah. honestly, he's, he's, he's his character's really struggling. Uh, so it is kind of good. I, actually, you know, it's funny. I love Hoyt Axton, and I love when he shows up and stuff. But in this, he's just a distraction. He's uh, he. It's good to see him, as it always was. But... He really is a complete distraction. I mean, he's—it's almost a blink and you miss it type performance. I mean, it's not yeah. really. Well, it's him. It's him. It's the the his doctor. The, yeah. The Leslie Wynn character is kind of you know it's so throwaway because it doesn't really yeah. go anywhere. It doesn't really add value to this thing. Although I do like that she's really fighting too. Like she's like upper crust, but she's fighting too to kind of get George out there 
so she can mm-hmm. it almost feels like so she can advance her career not not in a not in a devious way but like she really wants to help him she really wants to release him she really wants to be a successful therapist and she's really kind of pushing this it feels like and to me and then her porn star boyfriend is just pushing the bubble bath and the bubbly derbe yeah He's, right oh yeah the wine and ba- you know again candles and bathtubs come on man the only reason why you do that is because you're getting laid otherwise it's just a big mess you know and it looks good on screen you know that's about it there's a lot the candle budget in this there's that church scene (laughs) there's a lot i thought about you sammy because i think you worry about the practicality of and the safety yeah that many fucking candles i mean there's there's a there's a hundred I don't know. Yeah, I say like how many jelly beans are in the jar, but yeah. there's a lot of fucking candles in that yeah. church, man. I mean, obviously, it's not it's not as excessive as Barry Lyndon, which is lit by candles. No, which so, is lit by candles. So yeah. That's a totally different feeling. But then again, you know that they're going for authenticity there. But there's always, yeah, I guess candles add a certain amount of atmosphere to any kind of horror story. Uh, and certainly, you know, there's some Catholic guilt here and some things like that. And there's just all that kind of stuff. Kind of he's dealing with. I don't. I think Magger is completely successful, uh, but I don't think he fails either. I think this is a, I don't know. I wouldn't call this movie a gym, but uh, I wouldn't kick it out of bed either. It's not a, uh, you know, it, again, it's not a, a masterpiece, but it, it's an interesting effort. And it make, it makes me kind of long for the fact that, you know, guys like Magger don't really, you know, get, if they don't hit it right that first or second time, it seems like they don't really get a chance to keep going. And, uh, of course that's, you know, there's a business side to Hollywood and there's a business side to making movies and you kind of gotta, you know, you gotta keep making money, uh, or you tend to not keep making movies unless you know somebody or unless you go cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And, you know, he got to make a few more things, but he just pretty much went to TV after that and he hasn't done anything. Uh, he's still around, but he hasn't done anything for a while. So, uh, you know, 19 years, I guess. So, you know, I guess, you know, he's hung it up, but it, it's, um, there's certainly talent there. There was certainly talent there. So it's kind of a shame that we don't see, we didn't see more Magger films just so we could say, Hey man, it's part of that Magger filmography. Yeah. <laughs> but I did enjoy it. I mean, it, 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 like I said, it's a, it's a slow movie in spots, uh, outright boring in spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean that insulting. Like I just, I just think it's, no, no, it's true. It's, it's mis- just the, yeah. the length, man. An it's misguided. Yeah. 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 It's misguided. Well, if, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for that, it would be a hell of a lot better. That being said though, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, I think I got more out of it than, than Sammy did. Maybe even, uh, maybe even, uh, will, but. maybe, maybe, uh, I, I, I don't know. We'll see what the scores are. Uh, but you know, I, I gotta say, you know, this was not a letdown. And, and again, Right. If I go by the first two minutes, I'm thinking, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) These, these, I love the opening. (laughs) Yeah, these are always the uh, these are always the toughest GGTMC shows for me. But then I realized that this movie's, uh, you know, like I told you, you know, me and uh, Todd did Raging Angels last week. There's there's parts of this that are better than Raging Angels, and there's parts of Raging Angels that are better than this to me. But I had a soft spot for Raging Angels because it was so kind of bad that I couldn't. I I almost felt sorry for it. I guess it was a pity. A pity fuck, but the uh, <laughs> yeah mercy fuck uh, yeah. But the, this one, uh, I feel this. I mean, there, there's there's actual stuff going on here, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. But I'll kick it over, Will. See what he thinks since he picked it and he jumped in. Yeah, you know, you guys touched on a lot of uh, 
a lot of the key points. The opening I really love. I think visually it's the most, there's the most flourish to that opening three, four minutes, just pre-building jump. It almost has this Giorgio Moroder kind of pulsating synthy opening. Uh, and it's shot like a, like a Friedkin or it, it's really weird the way they fix that camera on the car. It looks, it looks really good. Um, we get all the close-ups of all these different Halloween masks. And I don't know, I, I, I kind of feel like this is going to be, hopefully for some with Halloween around the corner, if you're going to do 31 days of Halloween, you can do a lot worse than having this thrown in there. Oh, yeah. As yeah, kind of a, yeah, yeah. a fun little B-side that's off the off the beaten track, right? Totally agree. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's shot well. Like I said, it's too long. Uh, we talked about the cast, which is for a horror film, especially at this point in the cycle, the leads are all quite likable, uh, quite sympathetic, and and fleshed out and characterized more than you typically get. And you get some Hoyt fucking Axton showing up as a cop, so you can do worse. Um, what else we talked about? Yeah, body parts and color of night, tortured artists. Um, how about this? The woman in the beginning, like the first kill. The woman in the red dress was that Peter Dinklage's mother? Like <laughs> she had a very, <laughs> I got a very Dinklage, oh. like a Game of Thrones Dinklage vibe with uh, her. I don't know, oh. but uh, yeah, look a little bit like the like the Dinklage. Um, and I gotta say, she might be the worst drunk actor I've seen on screen in some time. Uh, She's pretty, up there. Yeah, pretty bad. bad. Pretty bad. She, she is bad. But at that point, we see Dennis don't play. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right. So that the kind of starts things off. Um, but yeah, you mentioned this, Sammy. I think you, you do feel the weight of the uh, of Miller's mental health in this, which outside of you know Maniac and and then a few other films, it's it's given kind of short shrift and it's just to kind of get A to B. But you you do tend to feel it in this. Um, we talked about that. The kills in this as a horror film. I think it's the German or the Dutch. DVD release that's uncut. I don't know if the one we watched was uncut. It feels like it pulls away a little bit in spots, but the kills are still pretty tense and the effects in those kills are quite good. They're very unique. Like a, mm -hmm. they, They're pretty effective, all things considered. Um, and speaking of effective, where can I get a panther wrestling a snake neon sign? Uh, I can get <laughs> you one. That's uh, incredible. That's GGTMC right yeah. there, man. It's in the same house. You can buy oh, that from man. the same guy that parks his bike in his basement. I hope so, man. <laughs> that was amazing. Wait, is that a euphemism? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does this say? Oh, dude, I don't know. Um, one thing that kind of bothered me, it feels like the second unit shot all like the green-tinged mob stuff. Mm -hmm. It just, I mean... You have to kind of get past the fact that it really quickly shoehorns in the kind of the veto or the, like the the mob stuff. And why the green tinge? I mean, I know that maybe they're just looking to not confuse audiences and they want to show that it's a flashback. But I think they could have done it with maybe a softer lens or even like that washy uh, kind of effect that we tend to get with flashbacks. The green tinge just doesn't really work for me. Yeah, no, it feels really out of sorts. Yeah, uh, it does with what they're trying to with what they're trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, no, it totally does. Um, but yeah, those are my notes. All right, all righty, wicked. 
Uh, okay, so make or break. I'm going to go with the meatpacking plant scene. Uh, it just felt very visceral, and you know, I did squirm a bit in my chair as it played out. So uh, kudos on that. Uh, oh, yeah. MVT, uh, as much as Lipscomb delivers on both sides of his performance, I'm going to go with Magar. Uh, I think his technical and visual senses of storytelling are pretty strong. Uh, I think he keeps the movie together and plugging along for the most part. Um, and yeah, I mean, how many other times am I going to get to give it to, uh, to Guy Magar? Uh, so give it to him. <laughs> very few, uh, score very for few. me, i What's that? Very few. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like none. This is it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Unless we so, do TV, a TV podcast. Yes. Yeah. Unless we do cover up, uh, an episode of cover up. Um, and score, I'm going to go. Yeah, fuck it. I'm going seven out of 10. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I really, I, I really did uh, like this thing a lot more than I uh, anticipated. Like I said, so yeah, good deal. I would have not guessed you as a seven out of ten on this one. So I would not have guessed me for that one either. Yeah. But you know. Um I'm gonna go MVT. I'm gonna also gonna go Magger. I don't again, I don't think we're gonna be able to I mean, I don't think we'd ever be able to give a Dennis Lipscomb again either. Don't never say never, yeah. but you never know. Yeah. But yeah. I, I doubt it. But um yeah, I mean this is his film and he gave it the uh he gave it a good shot. I mean he really did. I think you know, I like the way it looked and everything. Yep. My score probably won't reflect as much as I thought of the movie, but I mean, it's not much different than yours. I shouldn't say make or break is I really like that scene with the large kind of like uh, the Easter Island head. Oh, man. Oh, the date yeah. Scene or whatever. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, you know, and there's a sweetness to all that mixed with that horror. But I tell you, that slaughterhouse scene is it is cringeworthy. It's like, <laughs> oh, big time. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. That fucking saw starts up and you're like, hey. Yeah. Yeah. It's never, oh, man. It's never pleasant. They, they do get good tension out of this. Yeah. yeah. Never, never. And I always think to myself, whenever I see a slaughterhouse or anything else, like, man, it must suck to have to do that for a living. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just, big time. just to me. I mean, that, that's just my way Dude, of thinking. Just the smell of, oh, of this, meat. That's what I was thinking. Room temperature smell. after a while, you're just like, oh. Yeah. Kind of. Iron coppery smell. Yeah. Slash, yeah. You know, you know, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. All yep. big time. Uh, my score for the film is uh, yeah, a little bit lower than yours. Uh, so again, again, we always talk about this. We're always like, it seems like we're always a, like a half a point off. So 6.5 out of 10. I enjoyed it. Nice. I, nice. I think it's really good. I would recommend it. Unlike Raging Angels, which we talked to last week, we talked about how I would not Todd and I that. talked about that only if you're doing a podcast or you're us three <laughs> or anything else, well, should you watch Raging Angels? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. much. But, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, you just, that, that's the only reason to watch it. But this, you know, if there's movie fans out there who aren't doing podcasts, but just like watching movies, like Will said, this is not a bad one to fire up for your, uh, 31 days of Halloween or even just for your fall weather or any time, really. I mean, it's not a, yeah. it's not a bad, it's not a bad film. It's not a bad uh, no. little horror film. No, no. It's actually a bit surprising that it isn't mentioned more often. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I guess it that. just got kind of buried in the, mm-hmm. in the eighties, you know, 87 was a wacky year anyway. We always talk about it. So oh, uh, yeah. this kind of got buried in that wackiness, I guess, but yeah, Indeed it did. I'll kick it over to Will. Very nice. Uh, make or break. I, I really love the opening. Um, just visually, it really grabbed me. It it felt like if there's more Halloweeny stuff, I'd have taken place right around that that night. It would have been even more of a kind of a Halloween pick. But that's not my make or break. My make or break is that slaughterhouse scene because 
Nice. Like Todd said, I just think it's so effective in, in building tension and it pays off really well too. Like it feels brutal. Um, and we've seen death by by everything at this point, it feels like. And yet this one felt pretty fresh and pretty tense. So yeah. yeah. Um, MVT, I am going to cheat and I'm going to have my cake and eat it too and give it to the dynamic duo that is Magar and Lipscomb because... <laughs> We're not going to get to give it to either one of these dudes again in all likelihood. So Magar had the vision and pulled it all together, but he needed – he was the coach, but Lipscomb had to carry that ball across the one-yard line and cash it in. So, And I think he does a great job. He's mis- – in spite of being miscast. Yes, yes. Right? He still pulls it off. And uh, – Odds yeah. are not in his favor. It's no, the odds were the deck was stacked against him having to have a fucking Dutch boy haircut and schlubby sweaters and – you know, having a romance, uh, Suzanne Snyder, and really look out of sorts doing it, but he he pulls it off. <laughs> he sticks the landing somehow, and my score somehow is lower than your guys. And I thought I liked this what? one more than either one of you. I know, right? <laughs> um, my score for this one's a six point two five, and I'll be forthright in saying I was quite tired. Typical will bullshit. I was cramming and jamming until about two thirty this morning. So there you go. Um, you know that 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 punchy kind of tired thing might have set in but i i i willie i was feeling that length man oh that was, that's length. what she said Ooh. that's exactly what she said so um but yeah listen add this one to your 31 days of halloween or your or as sammy said your anytime it can be your tuesday in august jam whatever you want yeah or tonight if you listen to the show even tonight sure. that's right all right, uh, that's our thoughts on retribution we're going to take a short break we'll come back and we'll discuss ichi the killer um, let me find the uh, my application that I record the show with and hit pause. So we will be back right after this. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. I never understood a single word he said, but I helped him a drink his wine. And he always had I just want to have a loving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm always reminded of, I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, in Amazon Women on the Moon, I believe that's the name yeah. of that line. Uh, Speaking of Henry Silva. Yeah. Isn't there a uh, moment where David Allen Greer does that song? Uh, yeah. Uh, what the hell is it? Uh, oh, it's, God. It's yeah. Like, the, the, the commercial for the. Yeah. yeah. And it's great because oh, he I really gets into it. called. Yeah, he really gets into it. He's like, Jeremiah yeah, he was a bullfrog. <laughs> He's a pisser, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the Henry Silva moment, which is the classic bullshit, bullshit. or not. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. You got the trench coat, the whole that's Robert right. Stack thing. 
<laughs> Silva's still kicking it out there, man, somewhere. I don't know how, what kind of, you know, we've uh, often, every time I bring him up, I often lament that he never got back to us about an interview, but. Yeah, that seems like the big fish that got away. Yeah. Um, but we were talking, me and Todd were talking off the air uh, earlier about, you know, some of these guys that are still working. Like Richard Donner's not, but he's 90 years old. And then Ridley Scott is still working and he's 80, yeah. how old? 83. 83. 83. Ridley Scott, I guess that makes sense, but I never think of him as being 83. Like, that's oh, crazy. It is to me, too. Chewing on stogies and making movies and living the dream, I guess. I think yeah. of him as perpetually 50. Yeah. And it's kind of <laughs> yeah, weird right? when you say he that. Came out at 50 and... Yeah. It's kind of weird you say that because to me, he always looks perpetually 50. Like, he's. Yeah. He's aged pretty well, if you see him. I yeah. mean, obviously, he he looks like an older man, but he doesn't look eighty three. I don't think so. Uh, anyway, neither uh, here nor there. That's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about a bit of a film that some of you may have heard of mm. uh, over the years, and that is uh, Ichi the Killer, or uh, also known as Kor- Koroshaya One. Is that what it's also known as? Koroshia. Koroshia? One? Koroshia. Um So this is a pretty infamous one here. So let's uh, get the plot synopsis down. As, as sadomasochistic accusing forcer Kakihara. Uh, Ooh, that was a mouthful. <laughs> that was a mouthful. Searches for his missing boss. He comes across Ichi, a repressed and psychotic killer who may be able to inflict levels of pain that Kakihara has only dreamed of achieving. Ichi, Ichi. Ichi, Ichi. So uh, there, there you go. Uh, this one stars uh, Tadanobu Asano, who uh, has gone on to be in Marvel movies of all things, uh, Thor movies. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, He's, uh, Hogan. Yeah, Hogan and uh, Nao Amori, who plays uh, the uh, titular Ichi, and uh, a few other people. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I'm not as uh, well versed, obviously. In uh, Shinya Sukamoto, of course, uh, filmmaker. Extraordinaire. So it, yeah. So it, it's full uh, of some uh, interesting faces and uh, and some fun uh, performances, to say the least, as well. So Sabu, yeah, yeah of course. Another filmmaker. I like June Kunimura. And yeah, he's I never, a very distinctive looking guy. Absolutely. Uh, what's his name? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't put it together, because I'm not really as versed in modern Japanese cinema as I am in classic Japanese cinema. But, yeah, I didn't know that... Uh, Susuma Terajima, did you mention? I think you mentioned him, right? No, no I did not. I didn't know Sukamoto yeah, made uh, Tokyo Fist and some of those things. I didn't know that. So. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been on the show before, is it about, but behind the camera. Yeah, no, behind the camera. I made a film called Atlanta Boogie. Hmm, yeah. Hmm. Not directed. He uh, was in it. Uh, anyway, uh, this was Todd's pick. Pretty familiar faces, yeah. 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 This was Todd's pick. Um, I don't know who wants to lead on it. Will, you or I, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, it's up to you. Do you want to lead, man? Uh, I don't care. You've been away. I, I will. I'll tell you what. I will. I will. I will. If you, if you don't, if you're indifferent, I'll lead. Not indifferent, but if you're okay with me, I'll, I'll roll on this one. I guess. Never, never indifferent, hey, dude. I'll lead on it if you guys want. Always. No, no. Hey, I'll, <laughs> however you want to do it, brother. No, let's do it. Maybe too, uh, maybe too gentlemanly for my own good. Sometimes. I'll tell you what. I'll go on this one. So I had the pleasure of trotting out the um, Tokyo Shock DVD. That was what you heard opening. Wow. <laughs> Tokyo Shock DVD that I ordered from a Blockbuster pre-Amazon wow. in 2002. Yeah. Nice, nice. So this DVD I've had in my possession longer than my marriage, longer than I've been with my wife. Yeah. Um, 
This is uh, crazy. It's this was my first Mike. Yeah, I think this is. Uh, I, I would argue this is most people's first Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Uh, especially it was the one that were, was. Especially yeah. if you were there at you know um, when this thing first popped up. Yeah, because yep. this is because this is around the time that he started to get any kind of traction whatsoever. You're yeah, right. that this is a yeah. So this is a, I don't know what you would call it, a splash film. Like this is when. Yeah. I mean, there may have been some some film lovers out there who knew Mike before, but this is the one. It seems to me that people started talking about him. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you were really into Asian film, you would have uh, been on board with him a lot sooner. Because of things like Audition coming out, Dead or Alive, yep. uh, Bird People in China, which is amazing, Rainy Dog, Fudo. But I had to go back and see all those after having seen yeah. this. Well, I don't remember Audition being that readily available until oddly <laughs> after this. <laughs> but that could just be my memory. It may have been available to rent and stuff. Maybe. Yeah, I, know, I don't remember either. I know like I said, it was a, things like Visitor Q did not become available until after this because Visitor Q is, uh, you know, it's pushing some boundaries as well, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? I lied. This was my second Mike. City of Lost Souls was my first Mike. Yeah. Actually, I lied too. I thought this was my first one. Audition was my first one. Yeah. Oh, nice. Seven films nice. he made in 2001. Now, the one thing about Mike we should mention, and we've probably mentioned it before because we've covered him before, uh, prolific is a word you would use, but I, I don't know if we use the word often enough uh, that he how diverse he is. Um, yeah, he is unbelievably diverse as a filmmaker, yeah. and I think that's one of his biggest strengths. When we okay, so when we go back, when he hangs it up, uh, he's still working. He's making like he's slowing down to three films a year, yeah. uh, <laughs> typically. Which um, how old is he now? He's so he's uh, sixty years old, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, he's sixty years old. So he's uh, he's slowing down, but um, he has proven over the course of his career that I, I would say he's going to have as good a filmography as any contemporary filmmaker. Mm. Uh, I mean, he may have quite have quite 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 the highs of say like uh, I don't know uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson or yeah. Uh, you know, uh, well, he's he's like the he's like the Eric Roberts of uh, of film directors. <laughs> yeah, there you in go. That, but and that he's got he's just got credits coming out of his asshole. Yeah. Well, yeah, he is he is in terms of how prolific he is, but he has made everything from oh yeah quality sort of mainstream, well, quality accessible, reasonably moderately budgeted, yes. uh, period stuff like Thirteen yes. Assassins, critically acclaimed. Yes. Uh, Right down to sort of transgressive uh, Gozu, right? Yeah. Yep. Or, or even you could put this in that category. You yeah. absolutely could. And there was a time, and I think, I feel like Sammy and I both, one of the things we talked about early on was I don't think either one of us adored Mike. Like it was kind of like the whole Fultzy Lives things where mm-hmm. I used to kind of roll my eyes at a lot of the Mike stuff because it, it felt transgressive and just gross and weird just for, for its own sake yeah sake right. of, yeah yeah it was right? it was uh, aggressive filmmaking just to be aggressive that's what it right because there was not enough readily available for us to kind of see the diversity obviously it's always been there yeah but they sold him as a horror star as this kind of punk Extreme. rock splatter punk yep. type thing yep. Yep. yeah and uh, this film in particular has a lot to do with that Oh, yeah, I mean, the, dude, within within moments uh, of this thing starting off, you know, uh, two things are readily apparent. apparent. 
Uh, number one, this is a comic book, Yakuza World. And two, that Mike loves to be aggressively transgressive in both his subject and his style. Yes, absolutely. Right? Because he's, he's, he's flinging the camera all over the place. He's got all kinds of filters going on uh, yeah. all through here. He really uh, embraces both digital and, you know, the CG stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, he also is a filmmaker who uses the tools, you know, he has or can afford uh, because I think that he's, you know, he's I, in certain ways he's he's trying to bend and or break the rules uh, and kind of stretch the form. Yeah. Because you know you're talking about you know how he's not above doing something just because it looks cool, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. Or he, just yeah, because right. just because he's you know he's sticking his, his kind of finger in your eye and, and sort of things. Even though I mean, there's some there's some rough fucking CG work in this thing. Oh yeah, like there some really is. rough stuff in this. Thing. The the funny thing about him is. He almost, and this is going to sound like damning him with faint praise, uh, to use the Toddism. Um, <laughs> it, it he almost feels like, with this era, almost like the Godard of the sort of global extreme filmmaking at the time, where he was willfully deconstructing and doing everything he wanted without giving any pause. Like there's there's effects and sound, like the sound design in this going back, yeah, and watching it again is astounding. Yeah, pretty consistently well, yeah. throughout the film. Yeah, he's um, doing some really interesting stuff throughout the film. Oh. Yeah, with sound, but especially at the end. And, yes. You know, he's got that he's got that really wild soundtrack going on that really yep. just kind of backs up all the insanity that's going on throughout the movie. It totally does. But yeah. from an effects yeah. standpoint, there's effects in this that are so bang on and so effective they're almost yep. nauseating. Yep. And yet, ten minutes later in the film, there's ridiculous, almost like stop motion claymation. <laughs> yeah or, or or shitty cg yeah and yeah yeah he's not like we're, we're gonna hide the shark he's like no nah, we're gonna show you the mechanical shark because i don't really give a fuck i'm gonna show you it <laughs> yeah and that's what it's gonna be yeah and you're gonna like it yeah and you're gonna like or it. not or not i think I that's right less. and i don't really care i think the right. godard comparison is pretty good because i've always felt like you know godard he's always he's a again he's a very divisive filmmaker but i think that's because it's almost like he's even after all these years he's still learning how to make movies as he makes movies or discovering different yeah. things he wants to try or do without yeah. giving pause for his reputation sure. or or you know the the the, the, I guess, how he's critically received. He yeah. doesn't really care yeah. about that. So it's kind of like the uh, Mike and like uh, just use uh, somebody more modern. You know, Tarantino's often talk about he wants ten films in his filmography, and he wants those ten films to be a really solid ten films, and then he wants to walk away. Yeah. Mikey's the complete opposite of that. He's yeah, like, yeah. I want to make ten films so I can figure out how to make the eleventh film great. <laughs> yeah, and that's going to be before December, before like April. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. This week. Yeah, and that's how it's always yeah. felt with me. Yeah. It's always felt with Mike that he's like learning on the job, and he's like a really good hitter in baseball. You know, the, mm-hmm. so baseball is an interesting sport, right? Because you come up to the plate ten times, and if you get a hit three out of ten times, you're considered a major success. But think about that. You're only getting a hit three out of ten times. It's not, you know, that's not really that successful. Right. Uh, but in baseball, that is. So he kind of reminds me of that. He's kind of this filmmaker who just, he, he's he got a, a glut of material. But when I think back about his films, especially the more modern Mike stuff, he's really grown uh, exponentially over the years. Uh, the yeah. talent, The talent's always been there. 
Um, but he's really, especially with some of the later films, we were talking about the remake, kind of the remake cycle he went through. A hard uh, carry in that, yeah. Yeah, where he has this almost, it's it's very Mike still, but it's almost subtle, and he has this patience. Whereas this well, film think, feels like cocaine. I mean, yeah, he, I, I don't think, think he has does. any cocaine issues, but it feels like cocaine, right? I think the cranking him out and the, the level of just in, insanity that he threw into everything that he did kind of gave him this, this notoriety that allowed him to get a budget to do mm-hmm. the stuff a yeah. little more uh, paced down, I guess, yeah. for want of a better term, yeah. uh, to, to, to crank out stuff uh, like more like um, 13 Assassins and yeah. stuff. It was very smart on his part, but also, you know, he had talent because you can think But it's yourself, a hell of a gamble. Yeah, it is a hell of a gamble because yeah. you can think of like Herschel Gordon-Lewis who didn't really have that yeah. talent, but he went for the shock and all Herschel Gordon-Lewis is remembered for is the shock. Right, uh, right. He's not remembered as a great filmmaker, I don't think. No. Uh, uh, maybe a vanguard in a certain level of genre, but I would not argue that his films are great. Um, but Mike took that same path and actually there's talent there and, and you're right. There's filmmakers who do that, who push those buttons, uh, to get more work. Uh, and then they may, maybe they develop, maybe they don't. Um, but yeah, Mike was, he's one of the few success stories in that way because his name almost became synonymous with danger when it came to filmmaking in a lot of ways. An extreme extremity in filmmaking and yeah. transgression, like that early 2000s when it was just there was the stuff out of France, there was him and a few other filmmakers going to Japan, and it, it's just he's he's a, such a unique entity as a filmmaker, and I do truly believe, like if we're gonna look at like the top, let's just say top 10 filmmakers of this era, he for me absolutely has to be in that list. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, his work's so diverse. And I want to give a shout out to a film of his that I really love that I don't think gets quite enough uh, adoration. It's Big Bang Love, Juvenile A. Um, yeah. he just He's always had this ability, even in really punishing films, and that one's more tender than I think you would think in spots. There's, there's a certain sensitivity or a tenderness in, in some of his films that um, you wouldn't anticipate from him. Um, that he just, he nails and yeah, he's a great filmmaker. And it's funny because I don't know if I'd said this before we kind of went into a little dive about him, but when all this early stuff, or, or at least to us, uh, on this side of things, um, like this and Gozu and all this stuff, I remember being very put off with, by him, not because it, um, it, uh, offended my <laughs> sensibilities, but just it felt like, okay, so you're going to smear shit on the wall and, and see if you get a reaction from me? Like yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know? But as I kept with him, I kept thinking, okay, and now he's making a kid's film, yeah. The Great Yokai War. And yeah. now he's doing a, a gay love story set in a juvenile prison. Yeah. And, you know, he's doing, a, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, not a, fuck, Zebra Man. It's a... Um, Superhero movie? Yeah, I was trying to think of the Japanese title, like the Japanese. Oh, uh, Tokusatsu. Yes, right, exactly. So I mean, he just, he just, I slowly started to really love him. Then I saw Crow Zero. I was like, man, I love you. You're just great. And so then I had to reassess this, and it was a very interesting pick. You know, we've all been around film long enough, and we've done this show and the blog long enough that we're at the point now where I would have never wanted to do this when we first started the show because it still felt like it was too soon. Sure. So this is a really oddly interesting film to pick because 
there's been so much ink spilled and this film broke down so many walls and opened so many doors for a lot of film lovers like us mm-hmm. um, as far as world film, extreme film uh, and the combination of the two. So it's very interesting now to go back and look at this film critically all the years after I first saw it and see how it sits and how he sits. Right. I mean, I know how he sits, but um, yeah, just an interesting choice by you. Uh what was I going to say here? I almost, you know, I always, I don't know why I always do this. Tadanobu Asano. Uh, I, of course, I wrote down Takeshi Keneshiro. <laughs> I tend to do that with their names, but uh, he is fantastic in the film, obviously. Yes. His role, I feel like, that's a slippery slope of a role. Um, in the wrong hands, I think you're going to tune out pretty quickly. Well, yeah, yeah, that's very possible. Um, I, well, yeah, okay. I, I mean, yeah, he's he's he he's unusual, uh, certainly as a yakuza to be sure. But he's uh, he's driving the film's action, yes. right? So I mean, he's really he draws a lot of attention to himself uh, because he dresses really unusually. He's got dyed blonde hair. He has uh, those very distinctive uh, facial uh, scars and so forth. And the um, yeah. and, and you know. And he's also, you know, really into this whole uh, in love with, you know, violence thing and inflicting it. Yeah, pain. Um, and he loves receiving it as well. And I think yeah. that, you know, it's it's dicey to get into that uh, and be able to pull it off. Yeah. Um, but I think that he does to a, to a large extent, you know, yeah. because I, I, it's so difficult to talk about because the movie is so so hell-bent on being transgressive yes that you know it's very easy to lose the thread or try to put um moral or uh you know your own personal preferences uh onto this thing and not just look at it as you know whatever i mean it's it's adapted from a manga if i'm not mistaken yes yes it is um and you kind of got to wonder how far afield uh, this thing is going from that uh, and how far you would be willing to let this thing go, you know, in that, uh, in that medium as well. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Asano does as well as he possibly can, if not better. Uh, and he really does carry the movie for the vast majority of it, because I don't think the movie is, you know, for, for a movie called Ichi the killer, Ichi's not really the most interesting character nope, or the focus of much by... of the film's attention. No, um, he's definitely not. As a matter of fact, there's would, quite a few people I would say that probably think Ichi, if they've never seen the movie, they probably think Ichi is the Kakahari character. Absolutely. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Absolutely. But the, the, movie's, the movie's more about uh, the world around Ichi, which you could argue uh, either created him or gave purpose to him or both. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, and yeah. And this sort of the, of course, the relationship between the masochist and the sadist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. They both love. They both love to uh, to inflict pain, but only one of them kind of likes to receive it more. Yeah, absolutely. He does. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, I mean that's that's certainly it's an inter- interesting uh, dynamic with them and leading to that sort of an and uh, but it, it, to it, it the way it it deconstructs yakuza films. 
um, the idea of a of a of a central character, right? Because we can't really use the word protagonist. Right. Yeah. I mean, these are just awful people that are doing awful things. It's a very I don't want to say bleak because there's a certain uh, like devilish glee. So it's never really bleak per se because it's moving at such a breakneck speed. Yeah. Um, but it. So they're almost cartoonish well, as well, is, right? But it is ugly and it revels in it ugliness. Is, it does absolutely revel in the ugliness. But you know what else is funny? I'd never, I never would have caught this the first time. And maybe this is because I was tired and I don't know. The way it, it felt to me, and this is going to sound so bizarre and so random, but the way this film is edited, and I don't mean those sort of the, the frenetic stuff, but just the way it's edited sometimes with some of the dialogue and the way the scenes are interspersed, it, it feels almost like Altman to me. And I, I know that sounds random, but... Um, uh, yeah, I could kind of see that. Yeah, yeah, just like a little bit of a sprinkling of Altman, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just the way this, yeah, just completely we we take for granted now that a film like this does deconstruct things so wildly. It, it, it that's I think maybe where I also get the Godard thing is the conventions and there's certain rules that that you know shouldn't be broken in a genre, and he just takes the fucking puzzle, scatters all the pieces, spits on them, shits on them, drops Kool-Aid on them, a little blood, a little semen, and just rearranges the puzzle as he sees fit. And there's something admirable about that, in spite of it being a bit fatiguing now as a as a 40-year-old, 40, 40 not like a 20-year-old. Yeah, right? I, I feel like this film, it, as an older film goer, yeah. I'm much more, um, I roll my eyes a lot more at quote unquote transgressive cinema. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Like it just feels, um, like this feels like the Emily Valentine girlfriend that we all would have had in high school. You know, a little dangerous, you know, uh, into some weird shit. And <laughs> you've kind of, you don't marry Emily Valentine, you know? No. Um, I don't she's, know, a, but she's, in, she's into the coffee table thing, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet Takihara's into the coffee table thing for sure. Well, she so that that's an interesting point. I I gotta say, as a forty-seven-year-old man, mm -hmm. that I was not looking forward to this rewatch, only because as I get older, I don't think I've tamed in any way. I still enjoy transgressive filmmaking. Uh, it's certainly something that I enjoy and and I like, and I probably of the three of us probably pursue more than than you two as do as do. But uh, I remember seeing this. I remember thinking it's just it's so overblown in its meanness. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That casual meanness too. Yeah, I just don't know if I, I, I you know, I obviously I'm going to watch it for the show, but yeah. I was not excited to rewatch it because it's just like you know I, I saw it and I did my thing it's kind of like Cannibal Holocaust I saw mm -hmm. Cannibal Holocaust I've seen it twice if I never see it again I won't care um, I, I know it's a good film and all, and all those things it's just not my it's just not something I want to relive <laughs> all the no, time no, I'm you with know? you man I'm with you 100% like I don't know that I'll ever revisit it and I remember you know I always think of um Ebert, love him or hate him, you know, or not hate him, but some people just roll their eyes at him. But I always find it amusing when a lot of the, like the new jacks that are into film enough to provide their armchair criticism will jump on someone like him for being too old or right. he doesn't get it where I think we're all, it's interesting because we're all at that point in our lives where we've done kind of the punk rocky, like transgressive 
intense cinema and just it for its own sake. It's like, yeah, but I'm not 20. I don't, I don't, I don't chase it like I did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and not to disparage anyone that does. No, but you know, I just, every generation has to have that. Every generation has to have that. And I think as a film goer at the point I'm at in my life, we want different things from film. Right. So it, yeah, this was a very interesting watch, you know, almost half my year late, half my life later. Yeah. Uh, and like you, I, I was, I thought it was a really, not intentionally coy, not coy, um, sly or, or a really, really savvy choice by Todd. It, 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 like on the surface, it might seem like, oh, eat you the killer. Wow. No one's talked about that before. Yeah. But yeah. when you dig deeper, I think it is a very interesting choice. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we got where it. We're at and yeah. I mean, I think we're at an interesting point with this podcast. I've often thought about that because, you know, we've talked about a lot of movies over the years now, but we've been doing this for almost 12 years. 11 years, 12 years, and... Well, coming up on 12, yeah. Yeah. And some of these films that we uh, avoided in the beginning because they were buzz films yes. are now going on two decades of age. <laughs> right, uh, and that's yeah. right. These filmmakers have gone on to do lots yeah. of other things, and these films, like I said, I think for a lot of people, they felt like a gateway uh, into a world where... DVDs were becoming, you know, regional DVDs. Like, you could get stuff from around the world more readily available than you could back in the days, right? So, it was the opening of... Uh, yeah, stuff like this, uh, stuff like uh, Versus, stuff like... Uh, oh, yeah. These films oh, yeah. that were starting... Old Boy was one that I remember, you know? That one was... Uh, oh, big more, time, man. More new, obviously, but I remember everybody talking about Old Boy, and everybody was trying to get a copy of Old Boy. And yep, yep. This is before yep. the internet kind of blew certain things open where you can get a copy of anything. But I mean, I. That's right. Amazon I, wasn't a thing. Man. Yeah. I had to go on eBay and buy a bootleg of uh, Old Boy from some other country. Luckily, yeah. Luckily, I had a, a great uh, uh, Chinese mall near me. So yeah. a, a lot of the Asian films I wanted, I could score. But um, let's get into yeah, this movie, see. though, before uh, we run out of time. Yeah, before we go on too long, too. So a couple of <laughs> things quickly. Kakihara, and this is a very Canadian reference, is totally into the Don Cherry style. Oh, suits. yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. So uh, one of the things I love about Asano's performance in this movie is how ridiculously over the top he looks compared to everybody else, but how oh, yeah. quietly subtle he is. Yeah, I agree, and that's what I mean. This is a performance that in the wrong hands would have been honestly grating. It just it would have been because yeah. the film in its in and of itself was very loud. Yeah, yeah. No, if it had been if face. it had been Nick Cage as yeah. Kaki Hara, which I would have been fine with, but I know that would have been grating. Oh man, uh, it could have definitely been. It could have definitely been. But it just, uh, it's a lot of fun that he just kind of moseys around and he's like, yep. he's yeah. real quiet. And basically, at one point he's telling one henchman, he's like, "Where do you think you're going? Well, you stay here." Yeah, <laughs> he just stares oh, at yeah. him, you know. No, and, and agreed. Um, but Mike too, just to jump around here, that the op- so the opening credits, they're like in a pile of of cum or semen. Yes. That was yeah. real semen. That's what they say. Real semen. I don't you know, know whose that was. If it was multiple dudes, it had to have been. I mean, that well, was that's because yeah, puddle. dude. As appreciative as I am of the chutzpah it took to have the title of the film pop out of a lake of jizz, mm. yeah, uh, I always was taken aback by just the sheer amount of it. You know, I don't lot. even. That's I don't like even know. Goo girl, I don't even, it's a goo girl amount. Oh, big time! I don't even know that Peter North quite has that much in him. Nope. 
Nope, he doesn't. Speak for uh, yourself. You, I'm sitting in a pool of it right now. Are you? Well, that's <laughs> that's a serious like a waiting pool. pool <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got that's, a got uh, a kiddie pool this, down here. Yeah, it smells like Sammy's house. Smells like bleach. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that's a serious puddle. Oh, a serious yeah. puddle. And, but I do think that he does, even in a film as sort of reckless and punk rocky as this, there's like some of the, the effects, there's enough care done to some of the effects in the film that there, there is a, a, a certain level of care to the craft. Like when the guy's hanging, like he's suspended by the hooks, which is, feels very Barker. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, apparently that was 12 hours you know, plus uh, to put to apply that, and then another X amount of hours to to do to shoot it. Yeah. Um, I mean that's the kind of stuff. And then the tongue, when he cuts off a portion of yeah. his tongue. There's yeah. some really even in again even at this point in our viewing uh, lives, stuff that still I went ooh yeah. Like so it you, really the Japanese love the tempura torture. Yeah. Uh, they love the hot grease torture, and that oh always gets to me. Yep. It yeah. always bothers me. They love burning hands and feet and backs and yeah. eyes and faces. And I, I instantly think of pork rinds. Oh, my God. Oh, God. They love yeah, that hot geez. grease kill. And it's an easy one to do and seriously effective, right? Mm-hmm. Because all you got to have is some bubbling water, uh, yeah. maybe a little stain and stuff. But if you show a scene right previous to that where you're frying some shrimp, which they do. Which they uh, do, yeah. And, and, you know, they're really frying your shrimp and you get the sound effects sizzling and everything else. You don't need anything else. Now all you can just have is just some plain old cold water. Hopefully it was mm-hmm. a little warm for that actor, or else that would have sucked. And yeah. they just pour it on him and get some smoke effects. And man, that sells and some sound, some yeah, sizzle sound. That sells every time, like yep. every time that sells. It's like yep. a it's like it's a throat just, slashing. They 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 work every time for whatever reason. Very 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 visceral. Um, Mike too again talking about deconstructing. Not afraid to mix tension and comedy in horrific stuff. And it's funny to go back and see this and that scene with the cell phone at the hospital. <laughs> yeah. That. And the masks fogging up, and it's 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 very absurd. And that, and this film on the whole, seems that Tarantino was really influenced by that because that scene reminds me so much now of the scene with um, with L Driver at the hospital when she's about to do the injection and the phone rings and she rolls her eyes and oh yeah, it just feels like a lot of the beats in this. Uh, Tarantino, yeah. and he's made no yeah certainly uh, the Kill Bill stuff does some. There's certainly some Japanese influence oh, there definitely 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 um does anyone do the head slap as often as japanese koreans maybe yeah koreans might yeah no koreans and japanese got like they got the head slap down long yeah. just unlock they love it um i love just it's a subtle thing but it adds to the horror of the moment we've seen so much arterial spray in japanese films and it's kind of i don't want to say white noise because it's still always fun to see but Mike does this great thing when someone starts to spray, like they get, we get they get the arterial spray going from the neck, and they start to panic and run around, and it makes the scene that much more like horrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, is, another, another yeah, thing he some, does, I think, is uh, it's kind of like the Dario. Well, that's not like Argento, but it's what I like about his arterial spray, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, he gets the he gets the pump right. Like it starts off as uh, the pressure. Yes. And then it turns into the pump. It turns into the heart pushing it out, right? Yep. Yeah. Like yeah, it yeah. slows down. It gets a little weaker each time. And it turns into, well, basically the same thing as ejaculation, which I think he's going for. A dribble. Yeah. Yeah, oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally is. Uh, but he, he pulls that one off nicely. And 
there's some really even now again i keep saying even now but it's true there's some really rough violence against women in this like this oh, film oh, still dude. is banned in a lot of countries i mean yeah. it's hard to watch rightfully so dude, this this movie is not kind to women nope. and that's putting it lightly oh, you know, even the uh there's punished. that the what's her name alien son i think is her name oh who's featured uh, pretty prominently paul and son Paul and son. She's well. Yeah. Here she was credited as alien son. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But she plays Karen, right? Karen, and yeah. um, you know, even she isn't especially taken care of. You know, no. she fares a little bit better than every other woman here. Just a little uh, bit, or at least longer. Uh, she, yeah, she lasts longer. Might be the better way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably is the better way to put it. But I mean, the, dude, women are not. Oh my uh, god! Yeah. So the, not one woman is treated. You want to know the so. scene that bothers me the most in this movie? Uh, the sure. the scene with the female's breast on the coffee table on the dining on the table and the razor oh, running yeah. across. Yep. Holy yep. fuck! Does that give me the cringe? Yeah, there's there's a it's it's a rough. Even talking about it now, it's like I'm getting the the douche chills. Like the oh my god! Like it's just giving. Ugh. It's it's rough, and I wonder too. I mean, Mika we see is a pretty intelligent filmmaker. I mean, is that just commentary on um, a very patriarchal society and 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 the hyper aggression and masculinity of yakuza and Maybe. misogyny yeah. i don't know but it's Maybe. it's very hard to watch very it hard is. to watch it is um it's not politically I, correct I think, everybody should be very i guess we should probably say that i mean you know if you're a new listener or a person who's listening to this because you're you're now into movies and you're adventurous uh, be warned. This movie is. Yeah, be warned. This, there's some tough stuff in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some tough stuff in this. And yeah. we say that as three guys who've seen just about everything. Almost everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like how this film deals with memory and manipulation. Oh, I think yeah. it's yes. one of. Uh, yes, yes, it's, yes. You know, I think it's a strong point, certainly. Uh, and, I mean, again, I have to wonder knowing Mike isn't just a shock filmmaker. Is he commenting to say society is innately cruel and selfish, or is he just poking a thumb in the eyes of, of the viewer or of the yakuza culture? I well, that's kind of that's kind of the trick with this movie is you know where's where do you draw the line? Right. Where where do you you know either fall off or get totally on? That's right. Uh, with this thing. That's right. I can and can you balance the two? Because I mean, this movie really. I mean, you want to talk about cake and eating it. I mean, this is oh, practically the definition of. Yeah. It definitely is. It definitely is. Those are all my notes. Like I said, it was just, I felt like with this one, I didn't want to spend too much time talking about, typically we'll talk about specific scenes or things, but for me, I just felt like more of an overarching or meta conversation about him and the film and its impact and and some of the stuff felt more of interest to me. Sure. What I wanted to talk about. But yeah, yeah. so those are all my notes. All right, uh, I'll jump in here a little bit. Uh, so when I think about this movie, I think about two words that begin with I, and that's insanity and intensity. Yes. And that's that's definitely what we got going on here. I think there's a lot of, and I think we probably all agree, there's a lot of armchair psychological stuff going on here. Like, oh, yeah. Of uh, you know, the the consistent erection, the, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. all these things. I think all that shock, I don't think it has anything to do with reality, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Uh, that's the kind of thing he's going for. So you do feel some sense of, uh, uh, I don't know, you feel some sense of empathy for the Ichi character in a way. Yeah, you do. You do. Well, I think you pity him yeah. you pity more him. than you yeah. do anything else. Because, it, you know, 
how to, how to put this uh he's kind of like he's he, okay so he's he's essentially a manic cartoon mm-hmm. uh character right but but he's also he's he a video game character gump- just like the a, well, yeah he's he's like a, he's very gumpy in yeah. his simplicity oh yeah so we feel we feel for him in that sort of way you know or in like a a uh, a Leon sort of way, like Leon the professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he does what he does very well. Yeah. But he's also, you know, he's very pitiable mentally and like fetishistically. Yeah. Uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah. He's completely. You know, we also kind of feel for stunted. him because he's, he's constantly being bullied. Yeah. 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 But, but the problem is, the problem that you run into is that, you know, he's in love with uh, with violence and sex and, you know, and the, and the mingling of two. So you kind of have to be like, well, okay. Here's this really. Here's this guy that I'm. I know that I should be feeling um, something for for his for his. I guess tragedy for want of a better term. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's also a guy who you know likes shit that is repulsive to yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. So that's so, so you have a hard time reconciling. That's where that armchair kind of psychiatric kind of behavior comes from because I find it kind of. You know, I I don't be, obviously I'm I'm a firm believer uh, that you know I mean I, excessive anything is not healthy for any growing uh, person. Excessive uh, I don't know sleep, excessive food, excessive this, excessive that, excessive violence, excessive sex, anything excessive is the word. But I find it kind of weird that that he uses this kind of this moment in time where something happens and violence and sex. And he kind of makes his character out of that. Now, obviously, he's also talking about the way that another character is turning Ichi to that and yeah. and creating a monster. So kind of a Frankenstein's monster type of thing in a weird way that just happens to know a little kung fu because of his video game over, you know, over usage and how he kind of keeps it. it it's a weird comment, I think, on a culture that, you know, we... I, at least in my opinion, the Japanese are obsessed. They are obsessed with violence in their cult and a lot of their stuff. And they are obsessed with sex and a lot of things. They're probably the most sexually violent, a fetishistic country outside of America that I can think of. Uh, at least cinematically. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm saying that as, you know, in their art, that comes through, right? Which I always find really interesting because when you see them, like, as a culture, there's such this level of, you know, in in intense politeness yeah there's almost this, this puritanism ritual and propriety yeah and then you get the, these these art uh forms or just pieces of art yeah uh, that are that are so just off the fucking rails yeah in well, terms of how how far they're willing to go i still always find it odd that their pornography you know that you got the blurred out penis like everything else is okay yeah, right oh i know but the, what the fuck <laughs> but the I penis so itself much more enjoyment. i mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I'm. Oh, drop the microphone Yikes. there. Sorry, guys. Ooh, no, that might hurt some people's mine. ears. <clears throat> I need. Oh, I'm sorry. I choked a little bit because I'm getting ready to choke about what I'm talking about. But no, the. Uh, I enjoy. This is a weird thing to say out loud, but if I want to watch pornography, I want to watch every. I want to see that. All, I want to see it all. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. I don't want to, you know. So that type of pornography has never interested me in any way, but. I find it. I find the our two cultures very interesting. We're very, you know, the American, uh, maybe North American might be the best way. But the kind of puritanism of America and how we we don't want to talk about the things that we enjoy, the violence and the sex and and all these things. Uh, but that's it, it's in our entertainment completely. 
and then Japanese are the same way. It's it's like they they have this very polite, very reticent society of kindness and everything else, but they want their entertainment to be you know a B movie. Not always. Don't get me wrong. There's prestigious things and st- same thing we do here, but our cultures are very well, sure, similar. We're not, we're yeah, not generalizing. Our cultures are very similar in a lot of ways. That's one thing you definitely see is that we are two cultures obsessed with uh, media and entertainment and escapism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it kind of comes through in all that, uh, certainly in dark ways sometimes. So it's interesting when you think about that. Um, again, we talked about Miki Miki being a transgressive director, but he is more than that. We both we all agree with that. The performances, yeah. all the performances in this movie are good. Even the over the top ones are really good. He's got the one henchman who's got a little bit of a Sato vibe to him. He's like, Whoa, is it? you know, yeah, yeah. Got, <laughs> I always love that, man. And uh, he's really into it. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's he's fun. And the movie is all about taboo. It's all about pushing an envelope. And there's set mm-hmm. pieces that are that are pushing it. And it makes sense. Now, if you go back and look, Visitor Q in a lot of ways pushes, like I said earlier, pushes a lot more, in my opinion. That movie's almost completely repulsive, almost unwatchable, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that one a bit more stomach-churning. This one is... It's there, and again, not exactly the most exciting thing I thought about revisiting, and certainly one that I had to have access to my remote quite quickly. <laughs> Yo, I was I looked over my shoulder a few times praying that my kids weren't behind yeah, me. Because I don't know how I explain it, you know? This is one of the ones I don't know how you explain it, you know? It's just, it's just that way. I don't know. How do you explain this? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll try. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I still enjoy the the punk rock nature of it, the ugliness of it, the cartoonishness of it, and was actually kind of surprised, even though I think this film is unbearably long in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think we all watched, I think what we all watched was a director's cut. I believe that's, I don't know which one we'll watch because I don't know what the Tokyo, I don't know what that video, that DVD is, how the length on that. It's two hours and nine minutes. So that's the same one we, I think the same one me and Todd watched. So I believe that is. Yeah. That is uh, Mike's cut of the movie, uh, and it's it, it's too long. It's this is frankly it is it's, definitely it, it's weird. Both films this week yeah. way longer than they needed to be. Yeah, oh dude, yeah. There should have been like an hour and forty. Yeah. Well, yeah. This, yeah. I mean, the length on this one it, it's over two hours long, but it's such an onslaught. Yeah. That it you know it feeds into I think you know after a certain point in time you start to feel numb. And I think this this movie, you know, the the length of this thing uh, feeds into that because this movie really sprawls, man. Yeah, yeah. That's funny because maybe the uh, some of the most harsh moments are really left to the the end of the film, and that's that's saying something when you talk about a movie that's full of harshness and uh, is a very abrasive, like this movie is, uh, yeah, and man. it's in your face nature. He that he finds a way to kind of save some things for the end of the movie, and of course, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, but. Mm-hmm. The, uh, yeah, the overall nature of the film. I mean, it, it is, there is a level of ludicrous, uh, behavior in here that, like a lot of gore films, you know, crosses over into comedy. And there's mm-hmm. certainly a level of that here. I think the slight difference is, is that Americans do it differently, uh, i.e., you know, your traumas and your things like that. <laughs> Uh, there's certainly a level of that here. I mean, it, it'd be, you, you know, you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't think it existed. Cause it's, there is a certain level of gore that goes so far over the top. It eventually becomes either comedic 
or just plain ludicrous, right? Cartoonish, yeah. Yeah, and there's certainly a level of that here. I think the difference between this one and that is that this deals with things that make us even more uncomfortable, i.e. the ejaculation, uh, the beating of women, uh, mm. the just kind of overall nastiness of the characters. Uh, even fellatio, uh, this has, a, in my opinion, a loud and kind of gross fellatio scene. Uh, that I didn't want to hear. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't need to hear the slurping of that. That's not the kind of movie I'm in for. But, you know, but it is what it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't watch that in another format. I'm just saying that it's not what I want in this. And so it's it's for some reason it's repulsive again. It's all re- And then, of course, it doesn't help that he's very childlike and mentally disabled and 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 stunted and scarred and all these things. And then when you mix sexuality and adult feelings with that it always comes off as a bit more i don't know if grotesque is the right word but certainly uncomfortable might be the better word Mm -hmm. um you know i mean you know there's not i guess the best way to say that to sound crass is you know there's not down syndrome porn movies uh well maybe probably there probably is but I don't want to know. Yeah, but the, I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean it just feels like it's this. And I mean that respectfully, obviously. Sure, I don't mean that sure. callously. It's yeah, sure. I mean I, I mean yeah. Oh I don't, fuck! But I mean the, the world is a, a scary place, right? The and, world is a sh- shitty, scary place. Which maybe that's what Mike's saying. Yeah, and maybe that is what he's saying. And I think in a lot of his films that is what he's saying. I think you know that he's saying that you know you you think you're above all this, and you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not. Let me show you something, and you'll be entertained. It's it's the old uh, it's the Ridley Scott Gladiator speech. Are you not entertained? Yeah. Oh my, Russell Crowe there. How you like that? That was all right. That was pretty good. I do you not like my cheeseburgers? <laughs> <laughs> do you not like this phone? I'm going to. Oh no, that's too British. He's an Aussie, isn't he? Yeah. yeah Never mind. A too I quit. British. He does. He does go British every now and then. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, it is. It is. A weird movie to say this, but I did have fun on the revisit. Uh, I don't know how many times I'd watch it again um, because it is yeah, so harsh. Um, Which is on Shutter. I don't know if we'd said that. It is on Shutter. Yeah, that's right? how I watched it. Yeah, I think it's how yeah. Todd watched yeah. it as well. It still looks nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, if I want to gross somebody out, it's a good movie to show somebody. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, right? Uh, if I want to push some buttons, if people want to come in and say, oh, man, have you ever seen, uh, uh, I don't know, Friday 13th Part 2? Oh, it's so gory. I'm like, oh, yeah, you think so? Yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> Let me <laughs> show you Japan. something. Yeah. But uh, it's also the kind of movie that I don't know if I'd show anybody because they'd look at me and be like, yeah, man, I'm not going over to Eric's house anymore. <laughs> 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 Fuck that. That guy's weird. All right, I'll, I'll kick it over to Todd. But, yeah, no, I had a good time on this revisit, to be honest with you. And and Todd, I think most succinctly, uh, not to steal any of Todd's thunder, uh, but in a message back to me, he had said it's both the best and the worst of BK in a lot of ways. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everything we love about him, but it's also the things we criticize and don't like about him. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I got some a few things here. It's, it's going to be kind of rambly, so... Um, but Ramble. that's, I mean, Ramble part on. and parcel with this. Thank you there, uh, Mr. Plant. <laughs> yeah. um, Ramble on! <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, the, uh, the film does, obviously, goes pretty hard in the paint 
uh, on Torture Angle. Uh, and Mike, you know, he does not flinch away from any of it. Um, and, you know, you got to admit that it's, you know, for the most part, very convincingly convincingly done, or at least convincingly enough uh, for the film's tone. When it's, when it's uh, cartoonish, then it's very, very cartoonish. When it's not, it's really, really difficult uh to yeah. uh to watch yeah um maybe too real yeah right uh the kakihara character he's uh as hung up on sex and violence as ichi is uh, which goes hand in hand with his single-mindedness yeah uh in his search for his boss because i mean that's kind of the whole thing that starts this ball rolling <laughs> in the first place uh because you know he's he, he used to get turned on when his boss would beat him basically mm-hmm. uh so in another tie to ichi um kakihara has a bit of a father figure thing going on with his own boss and ichi has uh, the Gigi character, the yeah. Shunya Sukamoto, uh, who's his caretaker and manager. Uh, but even here, you know, there's a whole lot of abuse and manipulation. So even though it's not oh, physical, yeah. uh, it's still very much uh, omnipresent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the Gigi character, you know, you, you, I got to say this, uh, he's got a nice little visual surprise up his sleeve, uh, which is arguably the most bizarre thing in the film. Yeah. Um, when you see it, you'll know. Yes. Uh, so just put that out there. Yeah. Um, and you know, just as a quick aside, I love, cause you know, Sammy, I believe was talking about, uh, the, um, uh, how quiet, uh, Asano is in his, uh, in his portrayal here, uh, of the Kakihara character. But I, I love how giddy he gets during the finale of the movie. Oh yeah. Like oh, how, yeah. how, how intense he gets about, you know, oh, he what's going to happen. He's, 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 yeah. oh, I, I, I'm so excited. That yeah. yeah. He's, uh, I love his performance at the end of the movie the most because he's excited and playful, like a young child and, yeah. then, and yeah. then disappointed and petulant, like a yes. young child. When yes. certain things don't he's go his way, wrap his fucking Christmas presents. And then he's like, Oh, that. this is not what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Got exactly. Socks again. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, it's really, it's really great. Um, so do, 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 you get this really, uh, twisted setup with the, uh, the hooker that, uh, each is in love with. And, you know, some of the scenes with her and her boyfriend or pimp or whatever he is are pretty fucking tough to watch, uh, oh, yeah. because they feel more real than just about everything else in the film. Yeah, they're all. Uh, it's not dissociated from reality. It's you know, it's in your face. To you know, not no, no pun intended. To be yeah. honest, uh, and of course the Ichi character, you know, he has a hard time reconciling these feelings stemming from when he was younger. So of course, you know, this whole thing is going to end badly. Uh, and I, I find it really interesting because the Ichi character he he keeps trying to smile, right? But it's so creepily forced, uh, mm-hmm. and I, you kind of got to think to yourself, you know, whether this is. You know, is this coming from because, you know, society says we're supposed to be happy and pleasant all the time? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's, uh, but, I think it's because, know, honestly, I think it's, and I'm probably reading too much into this. It's almost like an orgasm face. It's almost like not, a, it's a yeah, weirdly yeah. ejaculate. But he, but he does, but he does it even when he's not, when he's not, uh, well, how do you know he's like, not interested? <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't slice him up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess you're probably um, right. So it's a, it's a weird. Way, it's a weird performance for that actor. I feel bad. it really is. It really is. So, you know, yeah, even when we get characters who we should sympathize with because they're relatively normal, we can't uh, because they're as trapped in this, you know, cartoon world as everyone else is. Um, I, I think that's one of the film's flaws is that there's really 
no one all that interesting outside of like in a carnival sideshow sort of way. Yeah. So, you know, even Ichi, you know, who we're meant to look down on, uh, has so many issues going on as to be like unappetizing. Right. So, you know, basically we want him to, to be, to be put out of his misery more than we want to see him happy. I think, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and Mike, Mike doesn't really seem to care one way or the other, because obviously as we've been saying, you know, repeatedly, he loves giving the middle finger to his audience. And that's of course, one of the things most people both love and dislike about him, uh, yes. is that he gets, he gets so caught up, uh, in being shocking and, and, uh, and petulant, uh, that you become, you know, pretty numb to everything because he just, he, I mean, the movie is basically, it's like a menu, of, uh, of transgressions. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's both, uh, you know, comical and, and, you know, very rough going. So, you know, while you, you take Mike's movies, uh, like this, uh, as they are, uh, and you enjoy them, you know, for their excesses and all that sort of thing. I also don't know that you get much more out of them than that. Uh, I mean, Clearly, the movie's about fetishes, and I think that in some way that Mike is, you know, both inviting you to have fun with what he's showing you, as well as implicating you, uh, because you love sex and you love violence and you love yakuza films and you love assassin films. So, you know, I'm going to give you more of all of them than you could probably stomach. Uh, it's kind of like it felt to me a bit like um, the old thing about you know when you catch your kid smoking, so you'd make him chain smoke a whole pack to make him sick. Um, maybe, you know, maybe that's what you know, Mike's doing behind the camera. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe the movie's about how, um, you know, get, getting into the armchair philosophy aspects of it, you know, maybe the movie's about how we, uh, we crave pain because it makes us feel connected to other people primally, uh, yeah. or maybe it's, maybe it's about how we confuse pain with love. Uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's none of these things. Uh, but I think that the arguments can definitely be made. Um, cause I think that those things, you know, it's part of, part of, what's going on here is so visceral. It's so like, you know, you, you react to this movie, uh, whether you want to react or not, you will have a reaction to this movie. Um, and I think that, you know, all of this stuff along with the, this, the this lengthy runtime, it, it, you know, makes this not the easiest watch or like Sammy was kind of saying there, uh, I don't think it's the most rewatchable uh, of Mike's work. He certainly made stuff both more and less accessible. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, the the primary reason that uh, that I picked this thing in the first place was because uh, you know we all had access to it. Um, and I wanted to I wanted to uh, do something uh, uh, Asian. So no, well, it, uh, I think it's, it's good it's every now and then. I've often said this. I think it's good every now and then to do the heavy hitters. Like uh, you know, I got a couple <laughs> sure. in my head that I think we should definitely cover at some point. Oh, I, I definitely have some on my list. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, this Halloween episode we're going to do, we're going to hit some heavy hitters. I think it's good to every now and then do the 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 films that really influence us because it, it, it's fun to kind of talk through that, see where we were then, where we are now. It's just it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this this Halloween, it's the Edward Penis Hands trilogy, right? Correct. Good. Okay. Yes. Because I, I was going to say I already watched them. I have them all on 4K. A lot of people don't even know they've been released. <laughs> they haven't even been released that way, but I found a way to make them 4K. So. Yeah, I I don't doubt it. Uh, the that Gina Fine baby. Um, Sixty gig files. <laughs> my my beta, my sticky Betamax uh, oh, tapes of uh, Edward Penis hands. Uh, so, um, but yeah, that's pretty much all. I, I think we've pretty much uh, covered every base you could possibly hit on this thing. It's it's not an easy movie. It's not a it's not a pleasant movie. Although it has you know this kind of um, 
gallowsy uh black sense of humor uh in certain ways um and it's certainly i mean yeah i i, I stand by uh what i said what sammy said that i uh, that i said uh, earlier um it is yeah it's everything good and everything bad about the man about the man's work yep so that's all that i got all right large william make or breaks mvts what you got uh gosh i'm just gonna go with the first attack on the woman and the kind of the slaughter that follows it's it's such a punishing scene and yeah. it's just so over the top it's um it's really not my favorite scene i don't know if you can apply the word favorite to any scene in this film necessarily um but it just goes to show how punishing his realistic violence can be in a film that is so cartoonish and so over the top and then the slaughter that follows and the sound and the organs falling out and the splashing of them and slapping of the organs on the ground and it just it's yeah it's nuts uh very nuts uh, mvt of course the the uh the man who's uh composing the symphony it's mr Mike. i was gonna go with asano because i do love him but um Mike is the man pulling the strings uh my score for this one oddly enough pretty similar to what i first gave it i remember seeing the first time i saw it i liked it but it felt a bit is that what it was really um, I felt like a lot of the acclaim was a bit disproportionate to how I came away from it. Um, oddly enough, I feel very similar in that there's a lot of stuff for its own sake. But I also feel, like I said, he's deconstructing and not just being a shockmeister for shockmeister shock's sake. Uh, my score for this one's a 7.25 out of 10. Nice. 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 All right. Uh, my MVT is Asano. I do like him quite a bit. And, you know, my logic is very Sammy logic. I know I'm going to give Mike the, <laughs> the MVT again at some yes. point. Um, you know, he's still making movies, and I'm sure he's still making good movies. Uh, I haven't seen anything most uh, recently, but, uh, you know, I love... Uh, he's always interesting. Let's say that. I'm always interested in what he's up to. Right. Uh, make or break. And that is a tough bill on this film. I, I don't know... There's a lot of scenes in here. The, um, whew, I can't even think of what my make or break would be in this movie, to be honest with you. I mean, it is so tough. Um, I'll go with the, uh, yeah, I'll go with the torture scene and in, uh, in, uh, in the uh, the room when he gets the twins in there and they got the guy and they they pulled one arm off and that's when they got the the hooker in there and uh, anyway, it's. Jesus, I can't think of a scene in particular. I mean, it's, there's so many ruthless scenes in the movie, but anyway, that's the one I like the most. Um, and although I do like that dinner, that one scene they meet at the kind of dinner thing and or the kind of get together, and they're like, uh, oh, yeah. "Kakihara, you're like you're done, you're out," and he just kind of walks away like, "That's okay, I'll just take over." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I do like nice moment. it's kind of a nice big uh, cock swinging type moment. Uh, my score for the film is right there with Will's. It's 7.25. I felt that way the first time I saw it, and I still, again, feel the same way. Uh, it's yeah. one of those ones where the hype was quite high, and I think it's somewhat well-deserved, but I also think it's uh, it's a bit misguided, and it feels like, for some people, the hype that was there might have been their first like big gore film or something. Because um, there is a certain genre of film, gore films, that uh, you could argue there's a certain level of films that are in that genre, in my opinion. Uh, this one's definitely in there, even though it deals with gangsters and things. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a masterpiece. I think it's a pretty no. solid movie, but definitely not a masterpiece. Agreed. No. Uh, 
okay, MVT, yeah, it's Mike. Um, this is you know this is a showcase for him um, and everything that he has to offer, and you know. For as somebody as profligate as he is, it's uh, it's pretty impressive stuff. Um, make or break. Who uh, I'm going to go with the first voyeur scene. Uh, I think that if you can handle everything going on in that uh, sequence, you'll have fun with this. I think that otherwise, you're going to be turned off in a big way. Um, and score, I'm going seven out of ten. Um, a little bit lower than you guys, but uh, yeah, it's uh, this thing really does. It's it's a difficult watch, uh, and it's difficult it to is. come back to. Uh, and yeah, being uh, you know older as we all are, it's, uh, it's certainly a different perspective. Um, so, uh, but it's still solid. It's still solid. Technically, it's still solid in a lot of entertaining ways. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's definitely not to all tastes. Leave it at that. Nice. All right. Had a moment of silence there. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I was looking at what, uh, you know, if I uh, tend to have that effect. If it's uh, my pick next week, I was looking for what I was picking. So (laughs) I don't know whose Uh pick it is. Uh, But anyway, I had something lined up if that's the case. So, all right. That is the big show this week. Uh, What are we doing next week? Who wants to pick from you guys' side there? Who wants to pick? I guess you guys both picked this this episode, uh, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. So now, uh, you, now you gotta decide who gets to pick second week in a row. Make it difficult for you. Yeah. Matter what you want to do, buddy. Uh, doesn't matter to me. If you want to pick, you can pick. If not, I got something I could throw out. Um. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead? I'll pick. I'll pick it two in a row after this. If you like, that's fine. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to go with 1975's Lion Man, a.k.a. The Sword and the Claw. <laughs> oh, Turkish, right? Yeah, Turkish. Yeah, yeah. This is Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We're going to Turkey, buddy. Going to Turkey. Come on. Hope they got the gravy. Gobble, gobble. Yeah. Gobble, gobble, indeed. And uh, <laughs> my pick uh, next week, I'm going to go with uh, 1984's Alphabet City. Uh, we had Oh, a, I love this one, man. Yeah, we had a listener uh, email us about this one and, uh, you know, just kind of want to uh, let them know that I read the emails and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Amos Poe, 1984, My, Vincent Spano, Michael Winslow. Yeah, that Michael Winslow, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that Michael Woods. Are we going to be beatboxing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kate Vernon and uh, Jamie Gertz and uh, a few other folks. I love this one. Yeah. Um, it's a, got a lot of style to it. Totally stylish. And Spano's pretty cool in it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of taken some beatings over the last few years, hasn't he? Because he's, uh, he's one of these guys that likes to date the young ladies, isn't he? Oh, don't oh, tell me he? that. Fuck. No, I don't think he's. I don't think he's. I mean, he's, he's, he keeps it legal. But. Okay, uh good. You know, he he just he has a type. <laughs> oh, she. <laughs> I'm pretty Spawn sure. Spawn hasn't been on since fucking Rumblefish, I don't think. Yeah. Has he? No, I don't think he has. I don't think he has. Hmm. I might be wrong about him, but I think I'm right. Wasn't he the guy in? Uh, was he the guy in Raising Cane? Was it him? Was that Spawn? Uh, I don't okay. remember him being that, but my memory just rarely serves me well. Yeah, yeah. I think it was him that was in Raising Cane, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. What did you? What a GGTMC episode, a fucking Turkish mystical fucking film and like an 80s New York kind of blue jean gangster kind of film. 
Yeah. Or like a hustler kind of. Yeah, that's that's a fun one. Maybe it wasn't him that was in. Who was in Raising Cain then? Who was in that I don't fucking remember. Movie? Other than, of course, the obvious. Yeah. Who was the fucking star of that and Speaking of Raising Cain, man, happy 80th. Yeah, there's another. Maestro De Palma. Yeah, there's another director who's getting up there in years. Yeah. Dude, I got to know who's in Raising Cain. <laughs> I could have swore it was him. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's what we'll be covering. Uh, I'm going to try to find it on the air right here and right fucking now, motherfuckers. Man, you go. I am pissed about it. John Lithgow, obviously, but I'm trying to figure out who the young guy is. Oh, it's Stephen Bauer. I don't know why I got him confused, but Stephen Bauer, yeah, the one that, uh, he's in Scarface. Scarface. Yeah. Yeah. He might be the one that's into the younger ladies. Yeah. Might not be Spano. Sammy's uh, spreading all sorts of rumors all over Tinseltown. Yeah, that's right. Just <laughs> shitting on Spano's reputation all over the place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Vinny. Uh, maybe you are. Hey, you know, just keep it legal, brother. Um, all right, that is uh, that is the big show. Uh, with that, I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com, and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. Thank you.